Good morning. It is time to skip the BS. Time for Undisputed. Time to talk commanders and cowboys. The story of the weekend. Cliff Kingsbury reverses field, pulls out of negotiations with the Raiders, and huh? he agrees to become the commander's offensive coordinator as new head coach Dan Quinn brings Joe Witt Jr. with him from Dallas to be Washington's new defensive coordinator. And now, reportedly, the Cowboys are interviewing Don Zimmer. I think Keyshawn first brought that up on this show to be their new defensive coordinator. So as a Cowboy fan, I will not miss Dan Quinn or Joe Witt, but as an Antonio Pierce fan, I am sorry he won't have Kingsbury running the Raiders offense. And it does concern me some, we'll get into that in just a moment, that Kingsbury will now be running Washington's offense. And if that at all, this means that the commanders think they have a shot at Caleb Williams. Kingsbury, of course, helped coach Caleb last season at USC. But let's see what Keyshawn Johnson, the USC fan that he is, and Richard Sherman, the 49er fan that he is, (laughs) have to say about this. Good morning to both of you. It looks like... Richards in his wait. The, are those 49er colors again? Absolutely. Hey, Skip, I what? just happened to pull this what? out the closet today. I don't what know. Are we doing? Is it? No, let oh, me let me, let me see. Your, show what? Skip your elbow, though. I want to see the the patch on. Well, uh, come I mean, on. this oh, is just a little This is a little accent, guys. <laughs> are you yeah. just, beautiful, <laughs> Richard? You you don't play football anymore, man. Stop it. I can't just get dressed in the morning, King. We, we, we got to get him some pom poms so he can do some pom poms for us. <laughs> okay, back to Cliff Kingsbury. Keyshawn, you first, please. How do you explain everything that just happened? Well, let's start with the Raiders situation. This is how I explain that. It broke down in, in conversations about contracts and whatnot and certain individual power and the way you do the hiring on the offensive side from everything that I understand to be true. Um, he wasn't going to get the ultimate power, so to speak, to build his staff out the way that he probably envisioned it, nor the offset from a money standpoint that's owed to him from the Arizona Cardinals. So he decided I had better opportunity possibly with another team. That team is Washington. But the big question now is we all come to the conclusion that Cliff Kingsbury sitting at the number two spot in Washington uh, in in the draft is now looking at a quarterback, and that quarterback potentially could be Caleb Williams, who comes from a similar system that Cliff Kingsbury ran at Texas Tech as well as uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. And they, to most people, need a quarterback. That Sam Howell's not the guy. But here's what I would say to that. Caleb Williams is from the Washington, D.C. area. He is. People have speculated that Caleb Williams does not want to be the number one overall pick to Chicago Bears for A number of reasons. Chicago has yet to ever develop a quarterback. I don't believe Chicago should go after Caleb Williams anyway. I think they needed to hire somebody that could get Justin Fields to his full potential, whatever that is. That's just the way that I see it from Justin Fields' standpoint. Now when you talk about Cliff Kingsbury, what is it that he's bringing to the Washington Commanders? He's going to bring a knowledge, a wealth of knowledge, from an offensive mind that could certainly put some points on the board. They averaged slightly below 24 points a game as the offensive coordinator, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. That's not bad. That's not great. It's just, you know, it's kind of like middle of the road, middle of the pack. Got to run the football, though. Can't just throw it all over the lot. The air raid system has never really taken it to the next level and won anything. Now you say, well, well what about Caleb Williams? We don't know 
if the Washington Commanders want Caleb Williams. We just are speculating. Yeah. We don't know if Cliff Kingsbury wants Caleb Williams. We have no idea at all whatsoever. It's a between now and the draft. There's so much evaluations that have to go on with all these other quarterbacks and, and Jaden Daniels out of LSU. What is that? When you start to really break it down, now you say from a defensive standpoint, they went out and got Joe Witt Jr. from the Dallas Cowboys. You mentioned Skip, ah, whatever, I'm not really worried about that. I wouldn't be worried about it either because Dan Quinn is still probably going to call the defense for the Washington Commanders. They, he's probably going to call it. I, I don't see why he wouldn't call it. Agreed. He, he called it in Atlanta. Yeah. He called it in Dallas. He called it in Seattle. No one else did. So you lose something there from a staff standpoint, but that's okay because if you're interviewing guys like Mike Zimmer, who I'm high on, and I you believe are. that Zim should be the guy in Dallas, or even maybe there's a sniff mm -hmm. around, maybe there's a Rex Ryan yeah. in your future or what may be the case. Yeah. I think, though, you know, the, the commanders will be a team in the future that potentially could cause some noise in the NFC East, yeah. but who's to say? I mean, really, who's to say? Caleb is from the D.C. area. That means a lot, obviously, going back home to play. But we, you, you man, you just don't know. You, we can't just assume, Skip, that he is the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, when you look at his college career at USC, he didn't play all that great against the better competition, the stiff competition. Yes, he put up some phenomenal Heisman Trophy numbers and did some things. Even in that Heisman Trophy season, when you look at the better teams, he kind of not, I don't want to say struggle, but it wasn't so overwhelming where you just go, oh, my God. You know, when you really break it, you just go, oh, my God. Now, when you got these wizards, as you know, Rich, starting to break these things down, I've always said throughout the course of the season from September to December, somebody's always the number one pick. And remember, I've always said this, Skip, the real evaluation starts right now when they start to break down the film because yeah. the seasons are over. Now they have nothing else to do except look, the, look at the prospects, look at the free agents, and then start to compare. And then when you roll into the draft time and the combine and all that, that's when you gather in this information to find out if he, in fact, is the guy. Okay, so before Richard goes, it sounds like you, as a faithful USC follower, are not sold on a young man who won a Heisman Trophy at your school two years ago, It's, right? it's not that I'm not sold. I'm just not one that always put the cart before the horse. I am a patient, wait and see, let's evaluate, let's break it down, let's find out what it really truly is, because there's a lot of circumstances surrounding around draft picks. There's Marvin Harrison Jr. According to Mel Kuyper and ESPN, for instance, he's number one on the board. Caleb is two. Okay, and So if Chicago decides we're going forward with Justin I'm Fields, taking, I'm taking Marvin Harrison well, Jr. you just would, which yeah, would leave I, Caleb for Washington. I, I would absolutely. Now, if, but, if, but what I would do if I'm Chicago, if I feel, and I could get this feeling between now and draft time by just having a conversation with Washington that they really want Caleb, I'll do what San Francisco did to go up to get Trey Lance is I to move up a couple pieces to go from two to one? I mean, you got to give me something. You're going to have to give me, because I'm going to play that right. position. You're going to have to give me a couple ones, possibly. Yeah. I don't have the chart in front of me, but I'm, I'm going to steal something from Washington if they fall in love with Caleb. Yeah. If Cliff Kingsbury <clears throat> is given the autonomy to make the decision, because that's essentially what it's going to be, yeah. is Cliff Kingsbury is making that quarterback decision for Caleb, ooh-wee, I'm about to. A highway robbery if I'm Chicago and Ryan Poles. Mm. Right. 
Okay. Right. But it, it, it's it's I, I think I think this is a great hire by them. I think Cliff Kingsbury in my time in the National Football League playing against him, he's really creative offensively in terms yes. of the the passing game and the concepts that they draw up. It's not it's not the common concepts you're used to seeing. It's not the common quarterback reads that you're used to seeing. It's very intricate. And so I, I, I've had a couple times, you know, where I had talked to him after the game. and was like, bro, I, I got a lot of respect for really? the concepts that you're drawing up. Like, it's wow. some good stuff. Now, the, the run game was, was pretty pedestrian. You know, they didn't do enough defensively. He didn't have success. So I don't know what he is as a head coach. But in terms of a play drawer, he can do it. And I think they'll still, you know, Dan Quinn is, is, is part of the, the Pete Carroll tree. He's been under. So they're going to run the football no matter what. But I'm I'm with Key. I'm not totally sold on Caleb Williams. And if I'm if I'm the Chicago Bears, I know that Sean Payton wants him pretty bad. So you got Denver in fold. You got the Raiders in fold. You got a lot of teams that need quarterback. So if I'm them, I'm talking to I'm talking to the Commanders and I'm telling them, hey, I could give it I could give him away to Denver or the Raiders or I can give him to, to these teams if you guys don't want to give me what I need to move up. I do think the Commanders are saying, hey. We're getting Cliff Kingsbury because we believe or we want Caleb Williams in the fold. We believe we can get him. We believe we will have access to him. That's why they're getting Cliff Kingsbury. I don't yeah. think they're getting Cliff Kingsbury to dra- draft Drake May no, um, or anybody either. else or, or Jaden Daniels either. I think no. they're getting him very specifically. And if they don't get him, that'd be a massive disappointment for this franchise. But they'll go for it. Um, but I think, again, Chicago obviously has has all the leverage here. They can do whatever they want. They can move it however they want. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is their pick, and I would assume that it would be my pick if I was the Chicago Bears because I think Justin Fields can get it done. I would I would sit there and, and get a King's Ransom for move not too far off the first pick, maybe to the third or so, and stay in striking range to make sure I do get Marvin Harrison Jr. if nothing else. You see, the problem, though, if Marvin Harrison does not go one, sitting at four, I believe right now is Arizona. Arizona needs a big receiver and and, and a guy like that. So they would take him at four. Skip, the the, the problem is they're sitting at two. They're not at one. And in my eyes, just just from watching college football, literally, as much as you do, Skip, sitting in on Saturdays, analyzing college football, There's not that big of a gap between Caleb Williams and what I've seen from Jalen Daniels at his time at LSU and early in his career at ASU. There's just not. So I don't know. How about Drake May? Have you seen him? I've seen Drake May. I like the other two better. So do I. I like the other two better. And I've watched Drake May enough to say no. Yeah, I'm not going to say no. Yeah, but I'm I'm just just saying it's the top pick. Yes, exactly. The first guy to go off. Exactly. So if I'm if I'm Chicago, in much like much like um, Richard just said, I got Luke Getzky now at uh, I almost called him Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders as the offensive coordinator. Very familiar with the quarterback at Justin Fields. I use that card if I'm Ryan Poles to be able to say, hey. If you want to move one to get your guy, Mm. I'll swap spots with you, but I need this, this, and this because I like Jaden Daniels as well Mm. because we on our board, one is a nine and a half and one is an eight, not Mm. too far off. That's Mm. the way I would be selling it if I'm the Chicago Bears. Or if you don't and I'm Washington, I'll call their bluff and say, go ahead, 
you take him because I like Jalen Daniels as well. Yep. So that, that's the, the jockeying up position there, Skip, come draft time. Okay, I got it. All right, I'm going to hark back to Friday. We talked about this at the end of the show. Obviously, Richard wasn't with us on Friday. But we talked about Cliff Kingsbury going to the Raiders in yes. Antonio. And, and I was gushing and raving about it because I'm with Richard on this. I really believe in Cliff as a play caller, a, a creative offensive mind. If you look back at his track record at all the quarterbacks, the young quarterbacks he's coached, remember at Tech, he had Mahomes and Baker. And if we go back to AM, he did have Johnny Manziel in a Heisman season. So you, you got to give him that. And then he, he has Kyler. So and, and then he spends a year last year. He was just sort of an offensive analyst, but he was the kind of the quarterback yeah, coach. Came, Obviously, Lincoln coaches. Yeah, the, the he, came, he came in yeah. probably three, four games into the season. They added him to the staff. OK, so and Caleb didn't have the year last year that he had the year before. And I'm I'm with you on this. I'm still a little shaky. I even told you last summer, the first time we actually met to talk about you joining me here. We, we talked about Caleb, and, and the, I watched him at Oklahoma every snap, obviously. He, he's only about six feet tall. He plays bigger than six right. feet, and you've stood next to him because he's one of your guys, but, but he's not 6'4". He's not that, no. that prototypical 6'3", no. 6'4", 6'5", height. But he is a rare playmaker. I, I got to say, when it is time just to make one up and, and, and <laughs> let it fly, I, I'm not sure this side of Mahomes that I've ever seen anything in college football quite like what Caleb can do because he has a huge arm. Very Johnny Manzelli. Yeah, it, it, but bigger, bigger, but bigger. You know, bigger, stronger, bigger arm. You don't want to – don't make yeah. that comparison. That's not no, a good I'm NFL talking about the, I'm talking about the running around. The running around. Being able to he run does. around and he make something out of nothing, not the other stuff. All right, now I'm going to drive home this point. When you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles or the Washington now Commanders, you have to remember that their mission in life is to beat Dallas. It's not the other way around. It's, it's a one-sided rivalry from both so Philly and Washington. So you don't think Dallas' mission is to no. beat? No, well, they don't think of it as their mission. It, it is, in, in the end, it's you need to win your division, control your well, division. But why, why could it be for them and not for y'all? It just is. It's, I, I've grown up with this. I've covered it for years. And when I go to those cities, I'm, like, amazed at how seriously they take Dallas when Dallas during Philadelphia week or Washington week never takes them that seriously. It's and, and, a that may, and that may be the yeah. truth because I played on the you Dallas did. teams. Part of that is, though, Skip, yeah. because of you. Yeah. People like you. No, no, I agree. Make the fan yeah. base go crazy. I agree. I agree. That's why. Okay. But as, as they go through the offseason, they're thinking, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. How can we beat Dallas? And for, for what it's worth, the Cowboys did win the division once again. I think they backed into it because Philly fell on their faces. But the point was, as you watch the offseason hires, you watch Philadelphia go get Kellen Moore because he knows Dallas inside and out and had great success at Dallas to run the Eagles offense. And they go get a Vic Fangio because he has had recent success against Dallas. And here we go with Cliff Kingsbury. And if you think hard about this, when he was the Arizona coach, they went to Dallas twice and embarrassed the Cowboys. The first one was a, a, an annihilation on Monday night football. I don't know if you guys remember this. It was 2020 pandemic year, but it was a Monday night at Dallas. 
and Kyler and company just took Dallas apart. It was 38 to 10. Kyler had a QBR of 83. Again, scale zero to 100. He, he rushed for 74 yards through for 188. Well, not huge, but they just went up and down the field and did whatever they wanted to do to Dallas's defense. And then we're going back two years ago. They went in there. It was late in the season, week 17, and it was the, the score indicates it's much closer than it actually was. It was 25 to 22, but again, Kyler just had his way through for 263, ran for another 50 yards, and Cliff Kingsbury toyed with the Dallas defense. So I'm thinking that played some part in the thought process in Washington of let's go get a guy who's had real success against Dallas, even at Dallas, and coaching young quarterbacks against Dallas. So this makes sense to me that they went Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury. The Joe Witt thing, I told you the other day, Keyshawn, I, I, don't, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I, he, he was never talked about as the sort of assistant defensive coordinator, head coach, you know, like. But the, you're, you're amazing, you know, though, Skip. But, but nobody amazing, even knows man. about him. Nobody, I know about Al Harris because I know what he did with my secondary, and I was afraid that Dan Quinn would take Al Harris with him. Well, yeah, I mean, he I might thought, still take him. He, he still yeah. may take him as a DB coach. It's well, not over with. Yeah, it's not but over. you're amazing. The reason I say. Lateral. Well, yeah. yeah, that's true, too. You know what's so amazing about you, Skip? You really, in your mind, have sat at home in the last 24 to 48 hours mm-hmm really thinking that they hired these coaches mm-hmm. just to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I think that was a factor. That, that, like, right. but it's on, always man. a factor with them. Of course. It's been historical. Not, yeah, not just with them. You think about teams that are coaches that have good designs and good minds that you've gone up against and they yeah. had success against you. Not in particular, I don't, because in 2020, Dan Quinn wasn't the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Am I, am I correct? See, he was there. He wasn't there. It was Mike Nolan, right? Three. <clears throat> yes. Going back to, was Mike Nolan still there? Now I'm, I'm getting lost. I feel, I feel like yeah. it was Mike Nolan, but I could yeah, be wrong. Look that up. But, uh, but, but in yeah. the end, though, Skip, you hire somebody that has the ability to put points on the board, to score, to do all of these sort of things mm-hmm. to help you. <clears throat> now, in terms of the Philadelphia Eagles, sure. You, you go and get Vic Fangio for whatever reason. I, I don't know why he's such this amazing defensive coordinator. But he's done that, some numbers that, on Dallas. Well, he has. Yeah, on it's, Dallas. It's, yes, but when you look at his history, I understand. outside of the you know, tenure with the San Francisco 49ers and Harbaugh, spectacular. other than yep. that, he's been pedestrian to yep. me as a D.C. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, think about it. Dude just got fired from Miami. Yeah. And he, they fired him as a D.C. when their defense started to get hurt. When they lost their two edge rushers and the corner was in and out of the lineup and Xavier Howard, they decided to move on from a guy that was supposed to be this great defensive coordinator. So I don't know that the Eagles are saying we're going to get the second coming of Marvin Lewis and the Baltimore Ravens to take on the Dallas Cowboys. I don't see it that way. Mm. Yeah, what I I do see that they're trying to improve their team, Skip. I think these were great (laughs) hires by Philadelphia. I think they're great hires by the commanders. Um, I don't know Joe Witt necessarily as a coordinator, but I know Dan's going to probably call the defense and, uh, you know, how those situations go. I know they'll be stout up front. They'll be good. I'm sure he would have appreciated if they hadn't traded away their two best pass rushers, but um, they still have pain. They still have guys that can get the job done. Um, In in terms of these quarterbacks, I think Jaden Daniels is moving up a lot of people's lists even above Caleb Williams, but I don't think anybody will, will, will step outside of the shadow of the hype that has been Caleb Williams. So somebody will, will draft him 
first just based off the hype. And I don't, I'm not sure NFL evaluators see him the same way the hype machine does. But Drake May, I think, is just one of those guys that you, you see a 10 in Carolina in a North Carolina blue and you can't help but see Trubisky. And unfortunately, that you get you get that court, you, you get Trubisky didn't have success. It was almost like the Ohio State deal, yep. you know, kind of hurting Justin Fields and 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 and, and you know and C.J. Stroud. It was when you get in those schools and you have those situations of guys that have come before you and not had success. I, if I would have went to Carolina, I would have wore two or, or, or seven or, or something other than ten because I don't want to be compared to Trubisky because yep. Trubisky was supposed to be the second coming of this great quarterback. And he has fizzled out in the National Football League. And no matter what, as long as people see that tape and see you in that jersey and you remind them of yeah. him, you'll get, you'll get some red flags. <laughs> yeah. No, that is so. Yeah. That hey, is true. Richard, we didn't get to get your take on this. Were you disappointed that Dan Quinn didn't go to Seattle? I, I was disappointed that Seattle didn't pick Dan Quinn. That's yeah, what I, I mean. was uh, yeah. 100% yeah. disappointed in that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a, a hand in glove fit. Obviously, Mike McDaniel, I mean, McDonald has been tremendous this year, has been phenomenal, had Baltimore playing some of the best football um, in, in a long time defensively. He's a very smart man, very ingenuitive defensively, but I just thought this was, was cultural. You very know, I what? thought this was a guy that, that knew. Cultural. It was. It was a no, cultural fit. It was a guy word, that man. knows Pete's coach. I liked it. I said cultural. It was a Stanford word. It was a sta- no, it was a Stanford word. But go ahead. I'm sorry. You're trying to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of saying engineered, uh, you said something else. Ingenuitive. Yeah. Oh, I like okay. That. We we know what it means. Never heard it. Before. Right. 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 You know yeah. what I'm trying to say. I, I know what you're know, saying, saying me, but yeah. I've never heard it before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me okay. ask That's Richard, okay. though. That's okay. Coined so, another word. So, Richard, yep. do you think, do you think, though, knowing Seattle and knowing uh, what they think up there and how they think, had the Dallas Cowboys defense played better down the stretch, is it his job? Yep, 100%. 100%. I think that, that, that collapse against Green Bay is what cost him the job. And obviously... Um, Baltimore having success against Mahomes the way they did in the second half also helped. You know, it's 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 what have you done for me lately, kid? Yep. And that's, a, no, that's the a unfortunate part. I thought history would play a part in it. You know, I mean, Dan Quinn. Everybody talks about the Legion of Boom defenses. He was the the coordinator both years. We went to the Super Bowl both years. We had the best defense in football. He was a big part of that, and he's a big part of the culture and the mindset of that team and that defense. And I thought that would have just been a perfect fit, but, you know, I'm sure uh, Mike will do a great job. Yeah, what's funny about that is on the Monday after the championship games a week ago today, remember Playmaker set right here, Michael Irvin, and said it was a fireable offense that Mike McDonald let Travis Kelsey go nine for nine on targets and catches in the first half. Remember that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which put them behind yeah. the eight ball, obviously. And then, to your point, they rallied in the second half and played great the way they should have in the first half. All right, final thought about Caleb Williams. I still say Kingsbury to Washington has Caleb Williams written all over it. It just, it just feels like it to me because— And he's from D.C. Th- that's what I mean. Caleb is the hometown hero. It, he, he would renew the hope and the hype, and it, it would be a great sell for Washington in, in a city that needs something to root for because that franchise, it's a sleeping giant, it, but it's been down for so long, and it's been so embarrassed by the, the former yeah, they, owner. Yeah, they, um, they tried the, with um, 
the Ohio State quarterback, uh, Haskins. Yeah. Oh, he yeah, was yeah, from yeah, the yeah, area yeah, too. Yeah, true. Yeah. They they tried the the hometown stuff before. I don't think I I personally don't necessarily believe in the hometown stuff because it allow it adds too much pressure to players when they immediately come out and they go home. Yeah. I mean, it just not going back to home. I mean, the LeBron James situation is is a little different, but for the most part, when guys get drafted at home, it's just it, I know, but one thing about Caleb and you've been around him, I, I think he can stand up to that. He might he yeah. might be well, I mean, he might be able to. Some would some would say yes, and some would say, you know, it was a lot of influence around young men's yeah. nowadays than it was in the past. So it's a little bit different yeah. now, Skip. Okay, interesting. We'll get back to all of the above in a few minutes here. But up next, why did Bill Belichick come out of left field with this full-page ad thanking Patriot fans yesterday? We discuss next. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations, or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Bill Belichick took out a full-page ad in Sunday's Boston Globe thanking Patriot fans. Now, wait. Bill Belichick engaging in public relations? (laughs) (laughs) Never thought I'd see that day. So, Keyshawn, what does this tell you? (laughs) You're funny, Skip. You find any angle to figure it out. I see. It tells me nothing. It just tells me he enjoyed his time 20 plus years in New England as the head coach and even as an assistant coach under Parcells when he was there. He just enjoyed it. He wants to thank the people that supported him throughout the entire way. This is not a PR situation mm. because if it was a PR situation, he'd have did it as soon as he got, you know, I don't want to say fired because <laughs> he got fired. <laughs> I should know. I should have went there because I knew you would say okay, that. Okay, but that was going to be my point. Why didn't you just do it immediately? Because he was still, you know, it's a cooling off period for things, right? He hasn't done any interviews. He hasn't done anything. And everything becomes a cooling off period. But this, all this is, look, man, his, his family is there. He appreciated his kids was raised there. I mean, it's just, it's the right thing to do. Hell, I was traded. 
I was traded from the New, from the New York Jets. And I took a full-page ad out, okay, and said thank you to the fans and I appreciate the four years that I had and, you know, I'm going to miss you. I did all those things. A lot of times players and coaches do do these things. When did you do it? I did it shortly after. I, I want to <laughs> say shortly after I was traded to the uh, Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. I mean, it's not – look, this is only a couple weeks, Skip. <clears throat> I mean, like, think about it. He has his press conference with Mr. Kraft. They say whatever they said. It lasts for however long. Boom. They bring in Mayo. You don't want to step on Gerard Mayo. You don't want to step on Mr. Kraft and the New England Patriots and what they're trying to do in terms of moving forward. Yeah. They got their coaches in place. It's a cooling off period now. You didn't get hired in this cycle. Now it's time to thank the fan base. What's the problem, Skip? Is it the timing of it with you? Do you want him to do it 24 hours after? Mm. Do you want him to do it 10 hours after? Two days after? Like, what's the problem? Okay, why in 24 years as the head coach of the New England Patriots did he never gush gratitude for the fans one time? I don't know, that that's, I don't know that that's not true. I don't know that I'm talking at about those Super gushing, Bowl, gushing. I don't know at those Super Bowl uh, <laughs> yeah. ticker tape parades when he get yeah. up. I don't know that he didn't thank the fans. I don't know that. I would, uh, I would probably bet my right arm. I'm At some point, gushing. Yeah, that he's did you read this carefully? Yeah, but yeah. he's not. You look when you're having a press conference <clears throat> or you're at a ticker tape parade, you're not going to go to the length that he did in this particular article. I mean, this particular page. You're just not going to do it. You don't have time to do it. You're thanking them for the support throughout the season. Yep. You're thanking them for the loudness, the cheering, all of those things, Richard. I don't know what the hell you want him to do, Skip. Mm. Damned if he do, damned if he don't. Because mm. what you would say if he did nothing, well, Tom Brady took out a page. How come he never took out a page? That would be, that's exactly what you would do. Mm. Okay. Go, Richard. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's fine, Skip. I don't know where Bill will end up coaching. Um, I, you know, it's going to be tough to call, especially he didn't get hired in this cycle. I don't really know, you know, maybe teams next year, or maybe he'll change his mind and he'll take a coordinator job. I highly doubt it. Or maybe he'll he'll jump off the, his his control and say, "Hey, I'll just coach the team. I don't need to GM. I don't need to make personnel decisions. I'll just coach the team." Mm -hmm. And if he does that, then I'm sure he'll coach somewhere next year. But um, I, I don't think this is wrong, Skip. I think again, to Keyshawn's point, he let he let Jared Mayo have his moment. You know, you don't want to you don't want to give his that. light. It's it's his yeah. moment. It's transition. Let the transition happen. Let them have their peace. Let them talk about it and, and not say, oh, man, Bill Belichick is still trying to take a little bit of shine away from him because that's what we'd be talking about if he mm -hmm. did it immediately. They'd be hiring Jared Mayo, Gerard Mayo, and we'd be sitting there talking about Bill Belichick is trying to, trying to steal the shine. He wants to spotlight on him instead of Gerard mm -hmm. Mayo. But he did the right thing. He waited, made sure everything settled. Hey, thank you to the fans. I really appreciate it. I spent a long time here. You showed me a lot of love and respect, a lot of kindness, a lot of support. Thank you. Nothing wrong with that, Skip. Mm, okay. There's obviously nothing wrong with it, but you just wondered why it didn't come sooner during his career. Because I didn't hear him ever gush like this. And I was a student of Brady and Belichick. And Keyshawn, I know you know him, and I know you love him, and I know you socialized with him and had steak dinners with him and all that. I, I get that. I don't know him. I'm doing this from a distance. I, and I, and but, I don't, and I don't blame to, to you me, for doing your job. But to me, from a distance, when I first read this, if I can use a Vanderbilt word, it, it came off as poignant to the point of being a little sad because 
I wished he had given more of this back to the fans all those years when he led this league in arrogance. And you know and I know he led this league in arrogance, and he had a right to because they were dominating the league. They were dynastic. But he was smug, and he was condescending, and he was above it all until now. Condescending to who? Some damn reporters? Some damn asking, reporters? Asking well, I, I was a damn reporter. So yes, I guess and, and, and it's in your feelings, yeah. though, Skip. Yeah. Okay. It's in your feelings. Yeah. You can't allow but, this sort of stuff to get into your feelings because you don't get your questions answered the way you want to. Nobody got their questions so answered. You, but you can't. Yeah. You can't okay. let it be in your feelings. Okay, but, but it's fine. I never criticized him one time for how he dealt with the media. I'm just saying that when you lead the league in smugness and arrogance, which you have a right to do, I, I don't expect anything back from the coaches as smugness a journalist. Smugness and arrogance. Did but he when not? I was in, am, I tr am I right about that? almost made me curse. Okay. Because I when he was I'm in Cleveland, right. his same approach. Yeah. And he didn't win in Cleveland. No, it was the didn't. same approach. He lost four out of five years. Yes. You know? And, and many people fired. would say he was a failure in Cleveland. You know? Same approach. Okay. All right, so this is what I see, that over the last four years in New England, Bill Belichick, regarded as the GOAT coach by you and many others, went 29-38 and 38 and made it to one playoff game at Buffalo in which he gave up 47 points and could not make Josh Allen's offense punt one time. They scored every single time they had the football, either a field goal or a touchdown. And from there, he goes into the hiring cycle and he goes 0 for 7. And clearly, to me, and, and I, I told you this going in, so I'm not being a 2020 hindsight hypocrite here, I, I didn't think anybody would hire him because he hasn't done enough lately. He hasn't done enough without Tom Brady. He hasn't done enough with today's players, the younger generation but of see, players. you're putting a false narrative out there to say people wouldn't hire him. He well, walked away from two well, opportunities. I don't, I don't know that for sure. I, that's okay, not how so it was that, that, look, look, look. That's how you... You're, you're, you are fair yeah. what, what you said. You don't know. Yeah. All we know is what we read yeah. and what we hear. Yeah. And what I read and yeah. what I heard is that he walked away from the Atlanta situation because it didn't meet his criteria of what he wanted. Okay. The Washington situation, I'm assuming... He walked away from that, too, yeah. because they wanted him, according to all the reports, the top yeah. people wanted him, and he decided, or they decided to go in another direction because they didn't meet in the middle. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, all right. But what, what, I'll say, what I'll say to that is it, it, I, I, I have a hard time with that one because if they didn't meet his criteria at the beginning, they didn't change anywhere in the process, so they wouldn't have met it at the beginning. They didn't meet it. In the middle, I think that came down to the power and people saying, hey, I don't want to hire somebody to fire me from my job. Hey, I want to be the GM and president of this team. And that may, so and I that can't may be true, Richard. That's but it may be true. But to say that, that nobody wanted to hire seven. him, that, that's right. not yeah. true. Yeah, I'm not. It's just not true. Okay. I'm not agreeing and, with and that. And yet, Keyshawn. Because that's. Yeah. He handpicked Mac Jones and it was. A disaster, right? And so that also that played. Was never, that was never good to me. Okay. It just right. wasn't. It okay. was never good. All right. It was but never that's, good. But that's he also, another factor in but he why also, he didn't get a job. But he also has a history of taking Alabama players mm -hmm. because of the relationship yeah. that he has with Nick Saban. Okay. Where he went wrong at and he tried to correct it in the 11th hour is when he made the decision to hire Joe Judge and Matt Patricia to run the – I don't know. I, look, 
I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know what the hell he was doing, and I'm sure he doesn't know what he was doing. And he did it, and he immediately tried to correct it with Bill O'Brien. It didn't get corrected, and he finds himself separating from the New York Patriots. As you like to say, Skip, you got me there. You got me on that one. Yeah. But all the other 20 years, you don't have me. Okay. Is it possible that Bill <laughs> even remotely got humbled a little bit through this process? That this was a humbling experience? But I don't know. That, but I don't know, Skip. I don't know that he was never not a humble person. Just because he he approaches things differently does not mean the man is not humble. Yeah. I've seen him. Yeah. I think. I think. Go ahead, Richard. I think sometimes we, we can't sit here and, and, and live like that, Skip, because we, we create personas for people. We create opinions yes. of who we think people are based off an interview or based off that. We actually don't know these human beings. So I can't say that he's arrogant. I can say he was a head coach of a very good team that we may have created an opinion about because, you know, I mean, if, if you talk about he's Palpatine, of the Death Star, you know, and they've just been this dynasty. People just want them to fail one day. You know, people just like, man, I'm tired of these guys winning all the time. And it doesn't even seem like they care as much as we do. You know, I want to see somebody else win. So sometimes you create personalities and you say, man, they're arrogant or they're smug. And it's like, well, they're just winning. So we don't like that they're winning in the mm. way they're winning. So I don't want to I don't want to sit there and put personality to it. But I do think he missed out on one job this year. I don't think he went 0 for 7, Skip. I don't think yeah. he just he just struck out in all of them. I, I think know, he but went I think a lot of people thought going into this cycle that because he's the greatest coach ever, that those seven teams would line up and bid for Bill Belichick. That I never, did not I happen. Never, I never, that did would, not I never thought that, Skip, from day one when we had these conversations when he stepped down and all these jobs stopped opening up. I told you there's a certain fit for certain guys. Okay. If Justin Herbert was not in San Diego, San Diego, Los Angeles for the Chargers, Harbaugh doesn't take that job. He just doesn't. Why wouldn't they want Belichick over Harbaugh? Because they have something that they like in Harbaugh and not in Belichick. That's okay. The Carolina Panthers probably didn't want Belichick. Because it, it's everybody is different, Skip. You don't Why think did the you Panthers oh, hear what I hear what I'd say? On the flip side, why did you court me and Richard versus other people that's out there in the universe looking to sit across from you and have conversations? Because you're, you're the best, and there was no doubt. No, it's because Perfect. you yeah. saw something in us that you felt you can work with opposed to other people that's out there that you probably felt like, man, you know what, that's not going to give us what we're looking for here on FS1. That's bad, why. Bad analogy. I, I just went right to the top. Oh, I, I just, no, I did. Oh, I stopped. Well, ask Charlie. No, ask Will. No, 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 I'm not saying that you no, did I, go I to just the top. Said I just said I went to the top. Because I consider myself the top, and nobody can mess with me. And okay. I, do. I, I understand Thank that. you. I understand You're that. Belichick. But You're Belichick. But You are. But there's also yeah. an interview process that take place. When you and I sat down and we chopped it up over a sandwich or two, yeah. if I came in there acting a certain way and doing certain things, you was probably like, "Yeah, that's not for no, me." No, I might have liked you even more. <laughs> you such telling me. You gonna make yeah. me? How many, gonna how make many sandwiches me? you have, Key? Because I know you said a sandwich or two. But well, I, mean, I don't even think I ate. Um, I, I don't think I ate. But you know what I'm saying. You had a sandwich. I, I do. I do. I hear what you're saying, Key. I, I just don't. I don't know. I think you know. In this day and age. With the Cliff Kingsburys, the Kyle Shanahan's, the Kevin O'Connell's, you know, everybody's looking for this youth movement. At least half the teams they are, are saying, hey, I want the next youngest, hottest coach that, that's out there to take my team for the next 10 years. And really, nobody marries these coaches that long anymore. Nobody no. does what the Roonies are doing with Tomlin. <laughs> nobody does what the Crafts did 
with Belichick. Nobody no, the Ravens really doing has that kind of, of that. loyal. Or the Ravens are doing with Harbaugh. Nobody right. has that kind of loyalty. To, that and, and I think that's a problem these days. It's like, hey, how quick can we fire this guy and hire the next guy? Even when a guy like like Vrabel, who's done a really solid job in Tennessee, yeah. you know, the owner's just like, hmm, I want to, I want something new, but, but, not but necessarily Skip, better. But Skip just would different. say, Richard, Skip would say Vrabel's too close to Belichick, so it rubs off on I the people the wrong say way. That. No, you didn't I, say it, but I, that's I, in I'm, your mind. You're I, thinking I, no, that. I'm shocked he did not get a job. I mean, Richard and I talked about this or texted about it, but Dave Canales got the the Carolina job, and he's a good guy, and and God bless him. I, I hope it works, but if you look on experience, if, if you had half a chance to get Vrabel or let, what about Pete Carroll still sitting out there? He's 70 well, okay, It just doesn't matter. Can he do baby. it? Okay, maybe. No, they he can. I would hire yeah, him. I that's would me. I would hire but him that's in a heartbeat. me because I know Pete and okay. I know what his energy so, level well, is. Richard knows him better than anybody. You know, we yeah. know him. Yeah. Yeah, so, I would have hired him. So we yeah. hire him. Okay. So I just got to read a few quick lines from this Belichick statement that he posted in the Boston Globe in the full page ad. Talking to the fans, you were undaunted by weather, attended scorching hot training camp practices and braved Foxborough's coldest, wettest, snowiest and windiest days. Your thoughtful letters offered support, critique and creative play suggestions. I mean, this is Bill Belichick. I mean, I, I read that and I couldn't help but just laughing because it didn't that's so foreign to anything Belichick has ever said publicly before that it made me wonder, did you really write this? I assume he did write this. And I think he was gushing because it he went through this process and he's looking back fondly at the great days they had in New England. Right. Isn't I mean, that it, what he's supposed to do? Yeah. Well, he, he didn't seem to have that gear for 24 years. He's right, talking right, to the but, fans, yeah. not you, Skip. No, Get your that. feelings out I, of I, it I, as a I, I journalist. He does not feelings. deal with the journalists the same way he deals with the okay. fan base. But that sets your persona publicly, and I just didn't see any of that. Maybe you did. Maybe that didn't yep. surprise maybe, you. Maybe this is who, who he really is, Skip, and that's hey, him Skip, just being you, genuine, being vulnerable. And you, you've seen yeah. you've seen the NFL Network where he sat down with the with all the top hundred players of yeah. all time, and all. Mm -hmm. that's Belichick. Yeah. Because guess what? All he's doing is talking football. <laughs> yeah. That's who he is. Mm -hmm. Doesn't want to. Well, does not want to sit around and talk about chit chat about nothing. There's, that's just who he is. Different than Parcells. Different than Sean Payton. Different than Mike Tomlin. Them. They don't mind. Tip for tap, back and forward. Bill's so, a one, one word know, guy and get out of there. Keyshawn, he's saying he enjoyed the critiques from the fans. I, I don't think he did at all. Oh, I, I think I, he's I don't, way I don't, above that. I don't I know that he enjoyed it or didn't yeah. enjoy it. The man yeah. is saying he enjoyed it. Okay. How can you tell a man he right. didn't enjoy something that right. he said he enjoyed? Okay. That he's saying he enjoyed. Yeah. Enough of that. Yeah, On to the game that's going to transpire this Sunday. 49er coaches ripped the 49ers for not hustling against the Lions in a home championship game? That's unheard of. We talk about it next. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Two San Jose State alumni who protested during the 1968 Olympics. They intended to draw global attention to the plight of people of color in the U.S., spotlighting injustice and quality endured by millions of black Americans. Mr. Smith raised his right fist to represent black power. Mr. Carlos wore a bead necklace to symbolize lynching of black Americans and raised his left fist to represent black unity. The scarf he wore stood for black pride and the socks with no shoes represented African-American poverty. Their powerful silent protest was controversial, but it woke folks up and created greater opportunity for those that followed. This Black History Month, I salute you both. So both Kyle Shanahan and his defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, blasted 49ers defenders for failing to hustle in the first half of the NFC Championship game as they gave up, of course, 148 rushing yards and fell behind 24 to 7 at half. Wilkes said, and I quote, collectively as a team, I can tell you it's unacceptable. And we talked about that. It wasn't to our standard. Those guys understand and know that. Quite honestly, it was embarrassing, said Coach Wilkes. You know, I can't remember coaches criticizing the winning team in a championship game for loafing. That, that was a first for me, but it's valid and it happened. So, Richard, you know these 49ers. What do you make of all this? I think it was great. I think it was great. I was there when it turned around, Skip. I was there when the culture changed. Yep. And that was a big part of it. The things that take no talent, you have to be experts at. Yep. The effort, attitude, and execution, you have to be A+, plus, no matter what, because it takes no talent. All it takes is you want to, wanting to do it. And right there, I think that is Wilkes' point. Like, we're a great defense, but right now we've lost our way because we aren't doing the things that take no talent. Effort and attitude aren't things that, that, that they can happen from anywhere. They can be, they can't be negotiable. And I think that's the frustrating part to see a defense this talented, have these guys expect somebody else to make the play. And I think you heard it from, from Fred Warner. I think you heard it from Bosa. You heard it from the leaders of the team. That's unacceptable. And that is not what you will see in the Super Bowl game against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. You will see something else. You will see the attitude change. You will see running and hitting. All day until the clock strikes zero, and I think that's what he wants to see. I think in these plays, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to watch as a player. It's embarrassing to watch as a, as a, as a fan and as a coach because you know these guys are better than this. Mm. Mm. These aren't things where you're like, man, they got out, out, outplayed or they got outran or, man, these guys are just so much better than them. Yep. They just aren't giving great effort. And so mm. he's calling that out, and I honestly respect it and like it. And I think you're going to get a great response from these players on Sunday. It, 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 I like it, too. Um, he's not wrong. They did not look good against the Packers, and they certainly did not look good the first half against the Detroit Lions. No. But what I would say that what you just said, Richard, Steve Wilkes has a sigh of relief right now. You know what that is? The fact that he is in the Super Bowl. Because if they didn't right. make the Super Bowl, he'd be on the coaching mm. hired circuit looking to be somebody else's <laughs> defensive court. No, no. No, no. Think about it. No, he knows. No, you're telling the truth. He knows that in that first half, 
when you look at the numbers of 18 first downs, five or seven on third downs, total yards of 280, rushing yards of buck 50, okay, passing yards buck 32. If you duplicate three-thirds of that, whatever, all right, you, you, you duplicate that in the second half, he's probably going to be fired, okay? That's probably the case because when you go down, when you come from up top and you go down to the sideline, and then you, you, you make these adjustments in the regular right. season and they look okay, but then when you get to the postseason and you are now on the sideline looking like you at the top, they're not going to say that mm-hmm. the players are loafing. They're not going to say that he missed this, he did that, he should have did. They're not going to say that. They're going to say, what the hell is the defensive coordinator doing? Because that's what we were right. saying in the first half. Dan Campbell essentially saved Steve Wilkes' job Okay, that's the way I look at it, because I know it, 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 Skip. It, think about it. Dan Campbell saved Steve Wilkes' job to live to see another day. Yeah. Okay, because if he had to care business in the second half, it wouldn't be San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Although it is, it would be Detroit Lions, and Steve Wilkes would be in the unemployment line. That's the because guess who they gonna blame? That's the truth. They gonna blame him. They're not going to blame Chase Young and Nick Bosa and D'Amador no. Lenore. They're going to blame right. him. That's all I'm saying. So, yes, it's a sigh of relief. And he wanted to put that out there without saying, hey, man, y'all going to get me fired. <clears throat> he said it a different way. Hey, man, y'all got to play better. So I'm putting it on y'all before y'all put it on me. I'm going to let yeah. the world know that I'm the one coaching, <laughs> but y'all the ones not doing what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. Smart by him, though. It was. Smart. It was smart by him, smart by Kyle, smart by John Lynch, who also said, now we're down to one game. I would really be shocked if we saw this again. Well, yeah, I would too. And by the way, John Lynch never lacked for effort at Stanford or in pro football because he played for your team, Keisha. No, Johnny did a hustle face. That's what I used to call him. Did you? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So, yeah, he, he knows what Richard was talking about when when it's just non-negotiable. All right, so Keyshawn, I hark back to the day we we predicted this game, the Friday before the Sunday games. And you picked Detroit in part, probably large part, because you know Aaron Glenn, you're rooting for Aaron Glenn, and you know Dan Campbell, and you're rooting for Dan Campbell, and you pretty much divulge, you know, you just said, hey, it's more of a heart over a head pick, right? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, okay, I got it. And I came back at you and I said, this just looks like a mismatch to me. It, it feels like, to use your favorite expression, it, it feels like a boat race is about to take place here because the 49ers are just better than the Lions on both sides of the ball. Time. Did you? It, oh, it felt feel real so good. good. Real good. Well, I just couldn't believe what, what I was seeing because I think the 49ers went into that game saying it should be a mismatch. We should be able to name this score. I, I said it was going to be 35 to 14, and they did finally get to whatever it was, 34. But the point was I didn't see 24-7 to 7 coming at halftime, nor did Kyle, nor did Steve Wilkes, nor, nor did John Lynch, because it was just wrong. It was unacceptable because it's, it's not that you're getting your butts kicked. It's that you're not hustling, especially on like the Jamison Williams. I, I think we've been showing it, the, the reverse. It just looked like several guys just sort of gave up on the play. <laughs> if I, did you see that, Richard? I, I think it. Kind of look like. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I, thought I, I saw. I saw on the back I, end some loafing. I yeah. saw it exactly. Yeah, they could have put their I foot in the ground. I saw it exactly like that. Yeah, 
Okay. And, and, and it's expecting somebody else to make the play, and that's not yeah. what great defenses do. Great defenses ha- have 11 guys that yeah. expect to make the tackle. I mean, look at Ward right guys here. Around the look at Ward. Ward yeah. <laughs> <War> jogging. <laughs> you expect to make the tackle. Yeah. And, and, and that, that, that is a legit criticism. And even in the Get second the half, block. there's some the criticism. Now put your foot in the ground. Go. He look at him. He just no. chilling. Right. It, <laughs> it's some legit criticisms because even in the second half, there were some third down conversions, even though they won, that leave you scratching your head. It was the third and 18. And you're like, wait a minute. They converted a third and 18. There was a third and 12 where they just gave the ball to Jameer Gibbs and it looked like he <laughs> outran did. the defense. He did. Where, where there was a corner that was well. pretty much unblocked and, and Ambry Thomas, and he didn't make the tackle. He didn't even, he, he didn't even touch him. And, and so those are the plays that I'm sure Steve Wilkes is rewinding and playing over and over and saying, do you guys feel like you deserve to be here? Do you, is <laughs> yeah. this the effort you right. want to put on tape going into a Super Bowl because the Kansas City Chiefs are looking at this tape? So he's going to light a fire under this team, and they should come out with an intensity and a ferocity that yeah. that is beholden to a team of this talent level and this and this. Yeah, I mean, it, it just I mean, they're they're probably the most talented defense in the playoffs, and they should have been playing better than yeah. this. And you can't you can't I, win I don't like this if they're, more if they're playing this. That's what I was about yeah, to say yeah. though, but I let it yeah. go because okay. Baltimore ain't in the playoffs no yeah, more. So I, I let know. it go. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I just let it go. I heard I heard what he said. I mean, you got there's the and I don't think I'm slick. I'm, I'm saying if I go line for line, I'm I meant what I said. Baltimore included. Like yeah. well, you can, you can argue that, that Talanoa being <laughs> yeah. being at home, you know, yeah. but him and Kyle Hamilton. But then you talk about the D line with with Bosa and Hargrave and Armstead. It's comparable to Baltimore's D line. We'll say that the corners. I would say in in San Francisco, you got a you got a all pro Pro Bowler on one side, and Diamador could have been a Pro Bowler in his own right. Then the linebackers, absolutely. You know, you got Roquan. It, 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 they're, they're two good sets of linebackers, so yeah, I'd say they cancel out. No, they are. It's more no, comparable it's than you think. It, it, no, it is close. So, Richard, on Monday morning when I woke up a week ago, I, I tried to figure out, is it possible that San Francisco has a little bit of cowboy disease in them on defense, as in mad cowboy disease, as in – we don't really know how to stop the run where it's not our forte, not our specialty, not what we really pride ourselves in. Or was it just an overall lack of effort as they have been criticized for this week? And I'm going to give you it for whatever reason, they just didn't take Detroit seriously enough. When, when they want to stop the run, I believe they can stop Kansas City's run even though they gave up 148 in the first but half. But see, the difference yeah. between the difference between Kansas City and Detroit is the head coach is not going to do what Dan Campbell did, yeah. though, Skip. No, okay, I'm, the head coach is going to go for the right. throat at he the will. goal line on fourth and two. Yeah. He, he, he take 24 to 7 like all of us would, mm-hmm. but he's trying to go to 28 to 7. Yeah. Not only that, he's not going yeah, but, to abandon the run in the second half and only run the ball 18 day, eight damn times. Eight times. Like, that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It makes zero sense. Yeah. And I understand but, what but, Richard is saying. That they 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 stepped up. Dan Campbell helped you step up. He helped you. Right, but I'm just saying Detroit is a mauler. That's their that's their identity. They're they are a mauling team. You look at that offensive line, one of the best in football at mauling. And if you look at Kansas City's offense, the interior offensive line is one of the best in the National Football League, and there's no debate about that. Um, but they're also banged up. They they're not committed to the run and that offensively they statistically don't have the 
aren't having the greatest year running or passing the football. So Patrick Mahomes is the reason why this offense goes, and rightfully so. You know, I don't care who, what weapons you give him, what offensive line you give him. If you put him in the Super Bowl, he's going to be a tough out. And so I think San Francisco understands that. They understand that they're going to have their work cut out for them, and they're going to have to play their A game to get a win in this game. There's no question about it. But I do not think Kansas City's running game is comparable to, to Detroit. No. I think Detroit is is, is no, they're very, not. Um, they're not at all good running football. Mm. No, no, they're not at all. It's a it's a different running style, a different approach. Although I would say Pacheco could rip off some nice 15, 20-yard hard-run games. He might. You know, he might do no that. Yeah. My whole point is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes up 24-7. I can't see them surrendering a lead. Many coaches around the National Football League that has the Andy Reid sort of pedigree or in that situation and understands clock management and how to do certain things, You're in, a nat- in a national championship game, in an NFC championship game, mm-hmm. there's no way in hell, Richard, I would ever believe that you're going to surrender a 24-7 lead because you get away from what you did in the first half, in the second half, and just abandon what you got there I, with. It makes zero sense. I'd be really, I'd be really surprised if they got a 24-7 lead. Honestly, this offense well, hasn't scored those kind of points I, this I, season. I, I mean, they've yeah. scored, they've only scored 33 times in the entire yeah. season, yeah. and so not, not you know, no offense to them, but they just don't score like they used to, uh, you know. And their defense has been fantastic and a, a big reason why they're here. And they went okay. through three, they went through three good teams to get to the Super Bowl: Miami, Buffalo. And going in and beating the number one seed in the Baltimore Ravens, Skip. Yeah, I no, just you 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 can't okay. assume that you just gonna run through them because if I remember correctly, last year, I don't, Skip, is is different. Steve Wilkes, same defensive players, different defensive coordinator. Kansas City goes into Candlestick and unleashes on them mm. with the same offensive players, except they just added Rasheed Rice, who's having an amazing uh, playoff run. Mm-hmm. Okay, but in the end, you have to remember, Dan Campbell or no Dan Campbell, decisions are none. Detroit had the 23rd-ranked defense in points allowed, and Baker Mayfield has just thrown for 350 against them up in Detroit in the previous playoff game. So what happened in the third quarter was not shocking because, remember, San Francisco caught them. The score was tied with three and a half minutes left in the third quarter. So it's 24 to seven at halftime, and all of a sudden it's 24 all with, with a quarter and three and a half more minutes left, right? Yeah, so but then it was that, just inevitable. But all that, too, yeah. is coaching decisions. Well, I know how to flip the field. I know yeah. how to do certain things yeah. to help my defense out on a struggling offense. If I'm going to go for it and give you – 50 yards to go to score a touchdown, yeah. I'm giving you half the field. If I punt the football yeah. and pin you deep or I kick a field goal and I score and I pin you deep, things change differently. Yeah. No, That's I all. Got you. All right. Up next, I'm intrigued by this question. What are the odds Kawhi Leonard wins NBA MVP? We debate next. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy. When it comes to travel, we all know that feeling of wanting to escape to our happy place, whether it's hitting the beach, the ski slopes, or just kicking it with your crew in a tropical paradise. And Priceline wants you to get there and be very happy with a happy price. So you never have to miss a trip. Let me tell you, Priceline has got your back to make it all happen. My happy place is Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Picture this, crystal clear waters, golden sands, 
and sun shining down on you like it's your personal spotlight. That's right. Cabo is my ultimate happy place. And you know what makes it even better? Priceline's VIP family feature. You heard it from me. That's right. VIP treatment for you and your squad. Imagine being with your crew, soaking up the sun and living your best life. And while scoring deals up to five times faster, it's like scoring a game-winning touchdown on vacation. Now, who am I taking with me to Cabo, to that epic trip, that adventure? My boys, my ride or dies, my crew, ones who've been there through thick and thin from the beginning to the end. I'm not taking any kids, no kids, just me and the boys living it up. So what are you waiting for? Download the Priceline app today and save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your favorite happy price with Priceline. Make some memories that'll last a lifetime. Cabo ain't ready for me or us, but we're ready for Cabo. Thanks to Priceline, the real MVP of travel. And now it's your turn. Hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go. First tweet from Coach Edwards. It's Super Bowl week and Sherm is in full bandwagon mode day one. Pom pom. Super bandwagon. Look at his, his, his Look blazer. Bandwagon. Blazer says it all. Mm. Looking like you How's on your way to your press conference. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, you, you can't support, these people support teams they ain't never did nothing for them. I support a team that paid my bills, and they called <laughs> me a bandwagon. Crazy. They're still paying your bills, sounds like. All right. Still paying. Yeah. Uh, tweet two, Jared says, Michael Parsons having more fun at the Pro Bowl than playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Oof, that is cold. True. Mm. He was having fun. Mm. Yeah, I saw this play, but I've been too he hard on Mike as yep. it is, so I'm going to let it go this time. But he was having all out there. And finally, Robert Merrill says, Skip and Keyshawn, I dress like this every day. Really, I do. LOL. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. But, no, Zoom, like it. Zoom, but, but here's the deal. That has something to do with the San Francisco 49ers, I believe, uh, in that red suit. Yeah. That's just not a normal thing. That's something to do with the Niners, right? Yeah, yeah, I got signed. They, they signed me for, yeah. you know, and you have on Niner colors right now. The elbow patches is really what got me, though. The, the, once I saw the elbow <laughs> patches, I'm like, oh, this dude here, man. What? <laughs> oh, gosh. R- Richard, we got to know, does your heart have more 49ers in it or more Seahawks in it? it, it Skip, it got both. It's a mixed breed, I and I love it. it. Yeah. That didn't even sound right. I played three years with one team and what was it, nine with another. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, man. Look, that's why that's what happens when you go to Super Bowls with both. Yeah. Yeah. Success. All right. Let's get back to business here. The Clippers, the Los Angeles Clippers, have now won 25 of their last 30 games. Told you it would work. They're now tied in the loss column with the Thunder and T-Wolves, who share first place in the West. Richard Sherman, if the Clippers win the West, what are the odds Kawhi Leonard wins MVP? Skip, Skip, I think that's I think that's tough. I don't think it's high at all. I think it's relatively low because he doesn't have the numbers. And you know how I am, Skip. That's yeah, here we go guy, again. Yep. Regardless of the spot. Yeah. Um, you know, you got you got you got uh Jokic averaging 26, 12, and 9, I think. You got Embiid, you know, he's hurt right now, but averaging yeah. like 30. 
You got Luka Doncic averaging 35, 10, and 9, or 9 and 10. Yes. Like, Skip, you're not going to 24, 4, and 6 is not going to get it done for the MVP. Giannis is averaging 31 and 11. You're not going to get MVP over those guys with 24, 4, and 6, regardless of what your team's doing. If he, they're number one in the West, I mean, I, it would be cool. It would be a great story. Hey, they got a great team. They're doing great things. But the MVP of the league is probably one of these other guys that's carrying their team statistically, and that's usually who it goes to. So I would think it goes to Yanich, Jokic, Shai Gilgis, Alexander. I mean, it, it could go to, to, to Luka, but, you know, I don't think they're playing well enough right they're now for him not. to get it. Yeah. This is the beginning of the MVP situation mm-hmm. for Kawhi. The beginning. Yeah. Today on this show, mm-hmm. this is going to start the momentum to carry him into the MVP race to a whole nother level. And what I mean by that, though, Skip, is if they win the West, that means that they probably are going to be a top four in the league record-wise. They're going to be in the top four if you go Boston, yeah. Milwaukee, Minnesota, then the Clippers. I think that'll be that top four. He plays on both ends of the floor, though. So when you start talking about outside of Giannis, the other guys that have the potential opportunity, and beats hurt. So he's going to lose. He's out. He's going to yeah, lose on right. that. Yes. Kawhi Leonard has been known to do what? Rest, not play. Low manage. Well, He's played 43 out of the 47 games this year. So that's the whole season to Mm -hmm. me. He's played the entire season Mm -hmm. thus far. Now when you start talking about the 24, 6, and 4, he's shooting 45% from three. There's only – that that, that says that he ranks fourth to fifth in the league. He's fourth, yeah. Okay, at a 45% clip. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. I think it's pretty great. It's sensational. And the team is winning. And so you get that eyeballs and you get that momentum going in this situation. So I think the odds for him to win it is pretty good. I don't think that's – I understand what Rich is saying. Typically, you look at it, you go, guys, he's averaging 30. Oh, my God. You just do. Yep. But he's lights out, efficient across the board. Yeah. And when you're efficient across the board and you lights out, well, you can't give it to nobody in Boston. Mm. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, you uh, can give it get, to Giannis. You, you, could give it, you could give it to Giannis. But like 31, we've all, 11, and <laughs> But what we've always seen is people get, it's one of those deals, Skip, tired of giving things to the same people over in the NBA. Yeah. Tired of giving it to the same guys all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Now Kawhi is uh, remember what I said. The Clippers are on to something. Top four in the yep. league mm-hmm. record wise. Yeah. And they've won, they've won uh 25 out of the last 30. 30. Yeah. And I tried to tell you, Skip, when you said it wasn't gonna work. Just wasn't. And I know well, you're still waiting. I know you're still waiting. You're still waiting, yep. but there's nothing to wait for. Okay. This is what they're gonna be. All and right. their coach and Ty Lu said, give me 11 games, and I'm gonna tell you. What it's all about. So, yep. yeah, I do believe Kawhi Leonard is going to be right at the top of the heat when this race comes down to the end. So do I. So, Richard, this is Lamar Jackson all over again to me because there is no way Kawhi is going to have, quote, unquote, MVP numbers unless you start going second level and third level to the, the beloved, the honored, the adored 
40, 50, 90 club. You were alluding to it, Keyshawn, where you shoot 50% from the field, you shoot 40-plus percent from three, and you shoot 90-plus percent from the free throw line. He is right on course. He's at 89% from the free throw line. But he's on course to, to join that hallowed group in the yeah, 40, 59. He's shooting 53 from the 53 field and 45 from the, from the three. Yeah, and to your point, that's fourth in the league in three-point <laughs> shooting. Even though in overall attempts, he ranks only 24th in the league. So he's not gunning. He's, he's not shooting the way Lucas shoots, where he's just going to jack up a whole bunch of shots. He's going to make a whole bunch of shots. But if, if you watch this team the way I do, if you watch what happens, the driving force on this team is Kawhi Leonard. And this team will go as far as Kawhi takes them. And to Keyshawn's point, He's already played 43 games. If you look at the first three years he was a Clipper, he played total games in seasons, 57, 52, and 50. So he's already at 43. He's, he's just going to blow past yeah, He's going to blow past that. Yeah, and trust me on this because I know on this one, he is as healthy as he has been since his rookie year in the NBA. <clears throat> and he worked his tail off. He does not post about it on social media like a lot of people do, but he worked his tail off in the offseason to get this healthy, and he has no plans to be avoiding all the back-to-backs. I'm sure they'll pick one here and there, but the point is he's been playing back-to-backs. He's been playing higher minutes than usual. He's been playing his tail off the way he worked his tail off in the offseason, and if you Know about the, like Keyshawn said, if you look at the second level stats on defense, he's been top 10 in individual defensive win shares the whole year. He's 11th right now, but, but he's on the verge, he's on the edge of the top 10. Well, that's sensational when you can lead your team in scoring and, and be so efficient. This is like Kevin Durant stuff in efficiency. It, it, yeah. It, All it, sudden, it almost yeah. seems like y'all are describing Giannis Antetokounmpo. Because their record is better in Milwaukee. So you're talking about what they could be with the Clippers, but they're not. They're third in the West. So Giannis is averaging 31-11, always in the running for defensive player of the year. And so that's what your MVP looks like. That's the 24-4-6 is not impressive. Even with the 45% yeah. three-point, he doesn't shoot that many. So cool. It's a, it's a high stat. Fourth. I got you. 29th okay. in field goal percentage. Not top 50 in assists. Not... And so you're twentieth in scoring. It doesn't just yeah. it doesn't sound like MVP numbers to me. No. It, it sounds like when you're saying, "Hey, he's leading his team." That's what Giannis is doing. They go as he goes. That's what they do in Milwaukee. They go as Giannis goes. If Giannis is off and it, they he doesn't play well, they're not going to win a championship in Milwaukee. Okay. So but I hear Richard, what you're saying, to, but it to, just to doesn't Keyshawn's add up. Point, there's burnout on Giannis as the MVP and there's no burnout on Kawhi because this is all new. And again, the Clippers have been way better than I thought they'd be this quickly because James Harden has completely <coughs> accepted his role as the orchestrator and the assist man. And Westbrook. And Westbrook. Well. You know what? If you watch closely and like if you look last night or yesterday, it was in Miami. Mm -hmm. His role is actually shrinking, and I'm, I'm waiting for the other sneaker to drop because we're going to hear something from Russ if he doesn't get oh, to play any more minutes. But he's, he's good. He, he seems to have accepted the six-man role even in, in smaller portions than I thought he would. I thought he'd still get to play 25 no, he understands minutes a game. The, He understands the bigger picture. Yeah. I understand the statistical side of the game. Yeah. Uh, Richard, you, you like that. Hey, there, there's no question about it. But when you start to think about, as I said to you, 
the train is just now being loaded and it will eventually go down the track by the time the MVP race is finalized. It's just starting today. This is the first conversation that I can think of about Kawhi Leonard potentially having an outcome on the MVP race. Now, when you think about Giannis, he has amazing numbers. There's no question about it. Well, the coach got fired, okay? So that's going to ding him a little bit, plus the burnout going to ding him a little bit more. And Kawhi is continuing leading his team where people didn't ever think it was going to work. They always thought it was going to fall apart. He thought he wasn't going to be able to play 43 to 47 games. He would have probably played 20 games thus far this year. All of that is pluses for him. You have to factor that into the decision process as the voters start to cast their votes later on in the year. Now, obviously, there's... Again. Go ahead, sir. No, no, go, go, go right ahead, sir. You... I, I just don't I, – I, 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 I mean, the only reason he's in the MVP conversation is because we're putting him in there and uh, unnecessarily because his numbers don't <laughs> it's even put him in the conversation with him. Mm-hmm. How can it, it be unnecessarily? unnecessarily because, it, because, because there's nothing that says that about his numbers. If you look at the MVPs, the previous MVPs, the numbers are there. You, you look at Joel Embiid's MVP season. He had 31 and 11. You, had, year, you look no. at Jokic's 26, 12. It, it's, what I'm saying is – when you talked about Lamar Jackson's MVP candidacy, it was his team was dominant. They were the number one seed. They had the best record in the National Football League. It was far and away. They, they were obvious. So it, it still, his numbers weren't there, but his team was the number one team. This isn't the number one team in the, in the NBA. And so they're not even the number one team on their side of the conference. And they're so fourth to put in him the in NBA a conversation with guys averaging – He's 20th in points, though. That's what I'm saying. So you're, you're talking yeah. about not the best team in the NBA, and he's not scoring the most. So if you said he was the best team in the NBA and he didn't have and he had these numbers, I would be like, okay, I can kind of see where you're coming from. Not really, but we're talking about guys that are putting up massive numbers and, and, and helping their team win games to, a, to the degree that their records are better than the L.A. But, Clippers, but the whole- and we're talking about – the whole point is, should he be included? Not that he won. This is the same conversation we tried to have you have with us about Lamar. We didn't say at the beginning. But why would he be included? Because his efficiency on both ends of the floor, things that he's doing, the team is a winning. 25 of the last 30, they're hot as fish grease. That's why. This is why. Mm-hmm. This is the same conversation in a different sport with so a different talent. So why are we talent. having this conversation about SGA? Because team is number one in the West, having a much better season than Kawhi Leonard. Because we selected Kawhi to have a conversation, Richard. That's why we're having it. So what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying this conversation applies to anybody on a winning team whose whose record is top five in their their conference. And, you know, they're the best player on their team. They should be in the MVP conversation. That isn't how it works, guys. I'm sure in... Oklahoma's region, Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, they're having that conversation. They are. But we're having a conversation about Kawhi based on what we saw yesterday afternoon, based on what we saw in the last 25 games, based on his statistical numbers that we continue to keep talking about. 89% from free throw percentage. That's one tick. What is that? He makes another five free throws. He'll be at 90. He's at 53 and 43. I mean, 53 and 45. He hits all the targets. 
Mm. That's all we're saying. So does SG, SGA is 31, 6, what and 7. Say? Number one okay. in the West. Uh, but I'm, I'm just trying to okay. understand what is the point of putting him in the conversation right. when his so numbers Richard, don't put him in the conversation. Richard, I have tweeted numerous times because I'm an Oklahoma City fan. SGA MVP question mark. I probably tweeted it four or five times over the last month because he is right in the thick of it. They had a nice win. It shouldn't have been this close. It took two overtimes to beat Toronto yesterday at home in Oklahoma City, but they did. And they're still hanging right in there, tied with the T-Wolves at the top. But the Clippers have caught both of them in the loss column, which is shocking to me. And remember, with 30-odd games left, if the Clippers stay on this pace and win 25 of their last 30 games, I'm just throwing some numbers out there, they're, they're going to be in a, a battle to get to the top of the top. Like that, they could two games they behind push. OKC yeah. in, in, in uh, Minnesota. In the win, in the win, win column. column. Two games yeah. behind. Right. That's it. Yeah. They, they got 30 some odd games to go. We're yeah. not saying today, we're and saying tomorrow. I just think he's officially part. entered the discussion. Yes. Yeah. And he's only entered, you're forcing him into the discussion. <laughs> the numbers don't, don't put him there. Well, you just be ready to pay me on Lamar in a, yeah. in a what Thursday? What yeah, is that Thursday? Thursday? You got yeah. you, you got to pay me on Kansas City, Baltimore. I did not. That you, you just you, forgot what about. What are you talking about? You, you a hundred? No, you I did not. Baltimore. No, I did you 100% not. You hundred percent did. Bet. There was no bet. It was a hundred percent. I need the tape. I, we got to start pulling Richard, tape on these dudes. I know please, what I bet please. on. I did not bet. No, I bet you please, on Lamar to win the MVP, buddy. Please pull tape on it, please, guys. Pull All right, we will pull tape on that. But up next, could flag football ever replace real football in the NFL? The way some people are talking about, we debate next. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. So yesterday, I must admit, I did watch the Pro Bowl players play flag football. And I also must admit, my interest flagged. But it did have a quote-unquote exciting last play finish, and I was happy Baker Mayfield playing just in the second half, one offensive MVP. But now there's talk of NFL players playing flag football in the Olympics and talk of flag football becoming a bigger and bigger part of the actual NFL. So what do you guys think? You played this game at the highest level. Keyshawn, start us off. What's the future of flag football played by NFL players? Like, is something like as a retirement and then you play flag football? Start with the Olympics. Can you see a whole bunch of players wanting to play in the Olympics? Yeah, but it wouldn't be fair to the rest of the countries, though. It's just It just wouldn't be fair. It would not be fair. Basketball and other sports are played in other countries. As I yeah. said to you, for, for a while it wasn't fair until they caught up with us. Yeah, go ahead. exactly. Yes. But but when you think about it, as I said to you during the break, I was once a, a, a paid tutor in Japan to teach 
the Japanese how to play American football. And you spent like... I spent probably a total over two years, probably a total of six months six in the off-seasons, three months, three months, to go to Japan with a couple of my other teammates. And we went over, it was like three of us, we went over, stayed in Osaka, then we went to Tokyo, and obviously we were teaching them how to play football. Now, And this was in this late was a, 90s? This, is a, this was in the mid to late 90s. Okay. So now when you mm. think about that, yeah, they have some, some big sumo wrestlers, the offensive linemen types, things of that nature, but there wasn't a whole lot now, to be desired about. I mean, it just, it wasn't. And so I can't see, I'm just thinking, I go back, Richard, and I'm thinking, and I was talking to Skip, I said, so if we had this in the Olympics, I would have for sure made the 96 team just because they gonna, I'm the highest pick, I'm the this, I'm the that. They're going to shoot me in, uh, you know, kind of like Anthony Davis, Christian Leitner, those guys just get shoot in on the dream teams no matter what. So I get the 96. <clears throat> then in football, 98, 99, I get the 2000. Then you, you start to look at the players that would have been with me. Ain't no way in the world nobody was going to ever beat us. It just wouldn't have been fair. And, and I don't think even now it would be fair. Now, in terms of outside the Olympics, what do you – is it post-career retirement? This is what guys are going to do? Because it's not going to uh, replace tackle football in the National Football League. That's not going to happen. I mean, it's just you'll get hurt more in this. You really think so? Yes, because you don't have any pads on. Guys hitting – imagine going up at the highest point, catching the football, coming down on your shoulder, not protected. Or, or Richard Sherman running into me with no helmet gear on, and we're going head-to-head -head with no helmet gear on at all. You'll mess around and you'll get hurt. I mean, it's just the reality. Yeah. It's fun, it's, it's cute, good. but no, I'm good. Flag football's been around forever. Yeah. I don't think it'll gain any traction. You know, obviously, they'll, they'll want NFL guys to play, but I'm not even sure NFL guys would necessarily be the best team to play flag football Maybe. because there are flag football teams out there that do nothing else but play flag football. I'll tell you an example. We went to Orange, Texas for Earl Thomas's camp. He had a, yeah. he had a camp for kids, and, you know, we went there to support. It was Cam. Myself, Brandon Browner, a lot of, you know, Walter Thurman III, Byron Maxwell, a lot of our yep. secondary, you know, Legion of Boom, we're, we're, we're out there. And at the end, he had a seven-on-seven -seven tournament. He had a kind of a flag tag football tournament for, for you know, for money, for $500. And he, he had us playing it, you know, just to, to give guys something to, to, to root for in a championship game yep. so they earned the money. And when I tell you, Skip, they knew the rules. They knew the intricacies. They yeah. knew the little little nuances to this game more than we knew. And so they, they made it competitive, even though we're, we're NFL players. They had some college guys who played college, <clears throat> but they weren't NFL guys. And they gave us a run for our money wow. every single game, Skip. And so what I'm saying is I know we, we may out-talent a lot of these other countries in terms of speed, size, explosiveness. Uh, of the athlete, but if they know the rules, and this is all they've done, and they're sitting here dinking and dunking, and they know that if you motion here and you misdirect here and you play this defense, you will have success, they may have an advantage to some degree, but it's not an exciting game the way football is because the physical aspect of it is, is what makes it exciting. Yeah, I know. It makes it a gladiator yeah. sport. Skip, yeah. you're, you're watching the guy take a Agreed. flag or somebody miss a flag, and, and you're like, yeah. well, I mean, I, I guess, but if you put an NFL player out there, they're going to get physical first and then take the flag. They're going to mm -hmm. get in front of them, you know, kind of square them up, 
kind of probably bludgeon him a little bit and then take the flag. So it's going to be, yeah. you know, I'm sure they got rules against that, but it'll be an adjustment period for NFL guys. But so I mean, Richard, just like any did, other. Did you guys, Legion of Boom, what year was this when you went down to the camp in Orange? Was it like yeah, we went down in 13, 12, 13, oh, okay. 14? So you're, yeah, was, you're early fine. Legion of Boom, and you had to take yeah, we're, it we're very fine. seriously to overcome the teams that knew how to play flag football, right? We, we had to take it incredibly serious because yeah. if you weren't, they were bombing you and they were, they were, <laughs> they were playing hard. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, look, it, Richard, to Richard's point, guys in the NFL, much like the NBA, they get a couple months to prepare, and that's pretty much it, where others probably are doing it all year long so they know all the tricks of the trade. Now, yeah. do I think that our talent will supersede all those other things? Absolutely. Because what we're going to do is we're going to pick the fastest guys. We're going to pick the, 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 the strongest arms. Like, we're going to – we don't need uh, Lamar Jackson in 707. Like, we're, we're you know – we want probably Patrick Mahomes or Josh I Allen. I think Lamar could help, but, though, if he... But he can't. But it's not that he can't help. His legs and his ability in flag football doesn't help him because he can't run. Those are the things in the rules. Like, he yeah. can't drop back and just run. You know, you get, like, one run, play, a design, draw. I mean, it's like, it's all sorts of weird 707-type rules. Yeah, what I couldn't understand yesterday I would think was, Joe Burrow yeah, go. is your, is your yeah, go-to quarterback yeah. in this. Yeah. Joe Burrow, it could be Aaron Rodgers, too, or Patrick Mahomes. Or, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be interesting in 2028 um, to see when, it, when the flag, Olympic flag football actually it puts on its debut here in Los Angeles in 2028. I want to know what players are actually going to play and what it's going to look like. Yeah. So yesterday the rule was on blitzing or rushing the, the passer that – Peyton was complaining to the referees because they thought they had an unwritten sort of rule that if you do send a blitzer, then you have to play man-to-man. But they were playing cover two with sending a blitzer, and now it's not fair because the quarterback's got to get rid of it much quicker than usual. So in the second half, they quit blitzing or rushing the passer at all. So he just stands back there and stands back there and stands back there. And after a while, it's boring to me because – Richard can't cover a guy for, you know, 20 seconds. You know, it's ridiculous. No, it, it, would be, it, would, yeah. it would have been fun if I had the opportunity to play in it. Yeah. I would have played because I wanted a gold medal. What the <laughs> hell else am I getting a gold medal in? I ain't getting any track and field. Right. You know, I ain't getting any basketball. Yeah. I wasn't getting it in baseball. Right. So what am I going to get it in? It would have been fun, though, if, in fact, they had well, it when we were playing. Okay, well, Stefan Diggs said yesterday yeah. he would be in favor. He would play if they would let him play. And I don't know Absolutely. if they haven't come. I would play, too. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I would play. And it's he's, not my he's job. He's talking yeah. about this I, summer. I, I, no, I'm yeah. saying it's not Paris. my job to stop me. It's your job to stop me. And just yeah. because I'm a professional, think, I'm playing. I think I think it will end up being the all-pro teams, um, so at least defensively. They'll they'll take out some of the linebackers and, and replace them with DBs just because you don't need the physicality. You need no. the speed. You need the explosiveness. Uh, even the blitzers. You know, you would say Micah Parsons is the guy, but why would you send Micah Parsons when you can send a DB running, you know, 4-3 That's to true. go get the flag when, when they're moving true. like that? You know, yeah. you don't need the power. You don't need the the explosiveness of a D lineman. So I would think it's a bunch of DBs playing in it defensively. Yeah. I think offensively, I think you go with, yeah, your, your, your guys, CD, you, you, you'd go CD lamb. You'd go Jamar chase. You'd go Tyreek, you know, guys, they all had big Stephon days Diggs. yesterday. Yep. 
They did. The guys that, yeah. that, that can get the I mean, even Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was outstanding he had a yesterday. Big day. He, and he did. Again, people put age on it, but in a space, in a box. I mean, he'd make somebody miss in a phone booth right now to this day. So I think Devontae Adams obviously would be on that list. Yeah. And and Jameer Gibbs is a guy, Christian McCaffrey, guys that can can do it in the pass game, in the run game. Um yeah, I think it'd be really fun. I think if they had it back in when I was playing, I think we would have had a pretty good team. I think, you know, but again, you just don't know what other countries are doing. You know, yeah, a lot of countries, soccer is the biggest sport, and that's where they're putting their their owners. That's where they're putting their best, yeah. best athletes. That's not what we do in America. We don't put anybody, you know, we don't put our best. Our best play basketball, football. Um, rarely do we put our best athletes in soccer. That's why we don't rarely win the World Cup in, on the men's side, at least, the women's side. They're always in it. The women's side is fantastic win the in World soccer. Cup. <laughs> have they ever been in the World Cup final? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Because our best play football and basketball. <laughs> they don't want to play on soccer. We don't. We, everybody's like, would you watch it? I watch a lot of stuff in the Olympics. You know, I watch yeah. swimming when the Olympics, gymnastics, um, fencing. Sure. You know, it's cool yeah, to, to see like other that. sports. But. You just don't. I, I can't. I can't lie and say I watch yeah. all that, <laughs> Richard. I know you probably do during the Olympics. Stan, I can't. I do. I, I know you probably do because Stanford has all the Olympic sports and they do really well at it. I just, you know, I just haven't gotten over there yet. That's yeah. all. So, the the other issue from a viewing standpoint for flag football, it's still hard to see whether they got the flag or not because the the runner you know, whoever catch and runs, he keeps running. And I'm like, did he, did he get the flag or not? Did he score or not? I can't really see it on television. So the biggest question here is, would flag football, I'm talking about 20, 30 years from now, ever replace tackle football? Well, it just won't because it's just, it's just not as fun to watch. No, it will not yeah. at all. It's yeah. not fun to watch. And it's the, it's the collisions. It's all yeah. of those sort of things. That's the appeal. It's the violence of tackle football. That's the appeal to people. It's people running in each other. They, they like that. It's just it's a gladiator sport. People yeah. like that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah, unless the liability. And there's too much for, chance. Yeah, yeah. We, we have concussion liability that keeps football. growing, right? For, well, there's yeah. going to always it, be somebody, liability. Yeah. <clears throat> but to your right. point, you can have right, accidents in flag football I, where you bang heads look, together. Yeah. I've coached 707 high school football, yeah. sons teams, and been around the 707 circuit. The collisions are mm -hmm. worse in 707 than they are actually good point because what happens skip yeah. is richard is going to brace for that collision yeah in 707 right. you're just running into somebody you're not really you're not trying to collide so you're not bracing for the yeah. collision it's, it's you, accidental it's just accidental yeah, it and guys yeah. aren't you know they're not bracing themselves no. so i've seen it yeah where it's been real bad okay in a moment we discuss this will Patrick Mahomes' father be any sort of distraction for him this Super Bowl week. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Come on. Come on back down. Patrick Mahomes' father was arrested Saturday night for suspicion of driving while intoxicated. According to court records, there are 11 other incidents involving Mahomes Sr., including multiple arrests for driving while intoxicated. He pleaded guilty to DWI in 2018 and served 40 days in jail. 
So, Keyshawn, heading into Super Bowl week, how much of a distraction, if any, will this be for Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback? I don't think it'll be a distraction at all. Like, this question you can only ask one day. Yeah. Like, how many times are you going to ask about his dad? So this is a one-day question. His dad is, uh, from everything I understand, he's, he's at home now. He's no longer incarcerated, it, it bailed out or whatever the case yeah. is for a short period of time. He has a court date later on, which I'm assuming will be after Super Bowl Sunday. Um, it, it, so when I look at it, I say, okay, could this be a distraction? No, it's not. Because whatever the <clears throat> underlining situation is, his family knows his dad, his mom, his brother, all, they all know what the situation is. So it's not something that's carrying heavy on his mind as he gets ready for the Super Bowl. This is a one-question, one-day deal. You may get the question multiple times from multiple different people, but you become a real you-know-what if I'm on Wednesday and you still asking me about my father's situation that happened over the weekend. Yeah. Like, you only, as a journalist, you get that one day to start prying, you know, different ways of trying to figure out how, to, how yeah. Patrick should answer the question. Because, again... If you go till Thursday, which I believe Thursday is probably the last media day mm -hmm. uh, given to the players, so that question goes all the way up to Thursday. I think there's big Wednesday and big Thursday availability. Availability, yeah. and mm -hmm. it closes right. after that. But and, tonight there is also because it's the first big. And you'll get he'll tonight. get it tonight. He probably he'll will. get it multiple times from different people because they want different answers. Mm. Then after that, it quiets down. And he could, because he knows the situation more than we do. That's just my opinion in this situation. Um, his dad obviously has had other issues with the, is it DUI or DWI? DWI. Yeah, because some states say DUI, some wild. say DWI yep. mm -hmm. in DWI situations in the past. So this is not his first rodeo, no. so to speak. I, I believe Patrick and his family will be able to handle it just fine. It will not be a distraction come Super Bowl Sunday. Um, you know, I'm sure the broadcast team will mention it as they look for his dad in the stands to pan to him. Yeah. I mean, I, they, they'll do that, but Patrick is on the field. Yeah. Patrick ain't listening to the broadcast unit, Richard. No. So I don't think it, I don't think it'll be a distraction at all. Not me personally. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it'll be a distraction. It's just annoying. It's frustrating. You know, if you're Patrick, because you're, you got to keep talking about things that have nothing to do with either your football, on the field play, or your organization. And it's unfortunate, whether it's him, him talking about his brother <clears throat> or him talking about his dad now. Yep. It's like, man, I, I, this isn't me. I, I didn't do anything. And I'm just trying to play the game. I'm at the top of my game. I'm in the Super Bowl. Ask me about the Super Bowl. Ask me about, you know, maybe you can ask me about a, my struggles and offensive struggles earlier in the year. You can ask me about whatever you want when it comes to football. But this really has nothing to do with Patrick Mahomes. It's not a reflection of his character. It's not a reflection of who no. he is, his decision-making, anything that he's done. It's saying, hey, his dad did something, made, made another mistake. He's made a number of mistakes. He's Patrick Mahomes' dad. I mean, it's, it's personal. So I, yeah, I, I just, I don't think it'll be a distraction, and I hope people, you know, they can ask a question about it. But at some point, it becomes different you know when you keep asking the question to Keyshawn's point about something that has nothing to yeah. do with Patrick Mahomes no, the football I, player I that. that we know this is a different Patrick Mahomes and so when you're asking about Jackson Mahomes you're asking Patrick Mahomes what, what about Jackson and what he did like 
I mean, I don't know. Jackson isn't the football player. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm playing football. I'm worried about what I got to do. If I was Jackson, then I would be able to answer questions for Jackson. I'm the other Patrick Mahomes, not the one that got arrested. So I'm going to answer questions about football. And that's the way I would expect yeah. him to answer these questions. I don't think it'll be a distraction. And you think about it, though, Skip, because, and the reason I say you think about it, because you've had to stand in front of podiums and ask <laughs> tough questions of people. And at some point, you're going to annoy the organization and you're going to annoy the player. And if you keep trying to pry after I've answered yeah. this question multiple no, I, times I, with I, other I people, that. you're going to get locked out. Okay. I, I hear you guys talking about media questions, media distraction, and yet my head doesn't go there. I was thinking more about this is Patrick's father. And I'm sure yesterday to some degree was upsetting to Patrick, even though he's been through this multiple times because this has happened multiple times. But it, it had, I, I'm not saying distracting, I'm just saying it's your, just, it's your dad. And now he's going to face another potential jail term because it happened again. Yeah. And this country will not allow this again and again and again because it's just too, obviously it's way too dangerous. But you know, yeah. you know, what the, that's why I said to you, yeah. the family knows whatever the yeah. situation is, they know already. So yeah. it's not a... A shock to the system, no. as if all of a sudden no, it was. This something. wasn't a first time. Yeah, yeah so it's like, right. you know. No, I got it. But look, Patrick is clearly a tough-minded young man who's been through a lot of things, and and he will compartmentalize this during the week. It's just not ideal. It's not like the perfect scenario but, to go into Super Bowl week with this, at least yesterday, hanging look, over your head. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead, yeah. Richard. It, foot Football players, for better or for worse, yeah. are some of the best in the world at compartmentalizing. Tip. Yeah. And, and, and even to, the, to, yeah. to some degree, turning yeah. bad things into fuel to, to, to add to their performance. Skip, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that's why you hear stories about some of the worst situations you've ever heard a person go through. Yeah motivating them to get to where they are in the National Football League. I mean, yeah. you, you, you hear about guys that were adopted, that, that were left for nothing. Parents left them on the doorstep, and they made it to the National Football League. Skip, yeah. they, were, they, were in, they were homeless, you yeah. know, living off people's couches, and they made it to the National Football League. Skip, they were eating syrup sandwiches and made it to the National Football League. So compartmentalizing is yeah. part of the job description when it comes to this. People... People's parents make mistakes. They make bad decisions. They make great yeah. decisions sometimes. You got to find a way to come together, focus on this football game for three hours, and, and perform at the top of the top, yeah. and then find a way to deal with it afterwards. That's what they've done their whole lives. I'm sure that's what Patrick's done his whole life, and he'll do it again. You know, it, it, what's interesting, Skip, is you, you said something that perked my ears up, right? That it's Patrick's father. And you go through things throughout the course, and it's a Super Bowl week. But I can draw from a personal experience, not DWI or DUI, but in a Super Bowl run, in the midst of a divorce, me personally, with small children in the midst of a divorce, Super Bowl run. Now, I'm not talking about getting divorced in September. I'm talking about in the month of December during the playoffs, divorce is happening in front of everybody's eyes. And we now all of a sudden, You've got to go and stand in front of the podium in Philadelphia NFC Championship week as one of the three to four guys that was there to answer questions yep. to the media. One of the first things they asked me was about my divorce. Yeah, I'm like, well, that has nothing to do with football. But they wanted to know. 
Then when you get, you, you smack sure. them upside the head and you go, and one of the first things at the Super Bowl inside of the, 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 the convention center where we were at in San Diego, yeah. first thing they want to ask me is about my divorce. Sure. Because it became public and it was a big deal. But it didn't affect anything I did on the field all right. at all. None. I was like, hey. Okay. <laughs> you know how I go, Richard. Hey. So, there's be another one soon. Yeah. So allow me to share with you two. <laughs> Allow me to share with you two why I do relate and identify with Patrick on my little level. Because I grew up with a father who was way more out of control than even Patrick's father is. And, and it shamed me and it humiliated me. And I was not in the public eye just yet. But trust me, with my friends and my classmates all through high school and college, it was one incident after another after another. And it was just embarrassing. And it was distracting to me and it, because it... it it gnaws at your psyche as the oldest child that your father is that out of control. And I'm sure it eats it at Patrick to some extent. It's my dad, you know, and here we go again. So I'm sure he went through that yesterday as they flew to Las Vegas. And to your points, then now it's business. Now, now here we go. And you compartmentalize and go forward. Yeah, you just, yeah. you yeah, look, I, yeah. you know, you hate to have these conversations, yeah. but I'm sure... Yeah. Again, the family knows the deal. They understand. They it ain't he ain't just drinking when he gets in a car. I'm sure he's had a few drinks along the way at yeah. some games mm -hmm. and at home. Yep. So they understand what yep. they're dealing with Absolutely. and they know how to handle that situation. Unfortunately, it happened Super Bowl week. It just doesn't get any better though, trust me. No, it doesn't get any better, not at all. Okay, up next, we got to get back to National Basketball Association because we got to ask Keyshawn and Richard as lifelong Laker fans, do the Lakers still need to make a trade by Thursday's deadline? No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Fall back down. Once again, your turn, hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go, first tweet from K-Dub. Come on, Keyshawn. You know Skip was right about Belichick. Then where you know K-Dub from? That's my... That's yeah, where you know him from? Knowing. He's got my back on I can one. tell. Thank you, K-Dub. Appreciate that. This is from more to see. <laughs> Brock Purdy next Sunday when the Niners win and he is Super Bowl MVP. That's Borat saying, king in the castle, king in the castle. If yep. they win, he will yeah. not be Super Bowl MVP. It'll be Christian McCaffrey. Well, how would That's you know That's not how that? it works. That's not how it works. They're going to give it to Christian McCaffrey before they give it to Brock Purdy if they it's win. Because that means Christian McCaffrey going to have a field day. You really think so? That's, that's, what, I, that, but that's what I think. Whether it works or not, that's what I think. If the Niners win, it's because Christian McCaffrey going to just be ridiculous like I expected him to be. I think it'd be Brock Purdy's award if they win. Okay, this is from Drew to wind it up. Keyshawn, when Skip and Richard are saying these Stanford and Vanderbilt words. Yeah, I, uh, yeah I'm trying to add yeah. them up to some of the stuff uh, that I'm, uh, I got to <laughs> figure it out. I don't have time to look <laughs> to find them, but some of that stuff, I'm like, huh? kind of know what you're saying, but I've never heard that before. I, I know my audience, you know, I, I got to stick right there, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. 
<laughs> okay, let's talk about you guys, Lakers. They just pulled off two huge road wins at Boston <laughs> and over the Knicks Saturday night at Madison Square Garden. Uh, the Knicks wasn't that huge. I don't know. They'd won nine in a row. Okay? Yeah, but the Lakers, the Knicks. Okay. Yeah. All right, but the Lakers, thanks to a 9-17 and 17 road record, still sit just one game over 500 at 26-25 and 25 in ninth place in the West. Okay, so you guys did grow up here in L.A. as Laker fans. Do they still need to make a trade at Thursday's deadline, Go Keith? You know, I, it's one of those deals where I go back and forth and I think about it, but what I do know is that the Lakers, from everything that I'm hearing and people that I know around the organization and in NBA, they're not going to allow Rich Paul and LeBron James and company to dictate what they do to, like they did in the past before the trade deadline. They're not just going to allow them to make the trades for them. Okay. So they're kind of pushing back at times on that. What does that mean? I don't. I have no idea. LeBron James has a no-trade clause, doesn't have a no-trade clause, not have, does yeah. not have a I mean, no-trade clause in his contract. But you would think he kind of has an unofficial one, right? Yeah, but, but a, out of respect and yeah. stuff like that, you, you know, yeah. if they move on from him, which I'm yeah. like trying to think, why would you move on from him and what can you get in return and what's his value, all yeah. of those sort of things, and who would want to be a, a taker in this situation? And yeah. I'm not trying to move on from LeBron. I'm just trying to fix stuff around LeBron James. Um, but I don't know what it is that the Lakers would need because, again, just like you mentioned, they went on the road, and once LeBron and AD wasn't playing, I was like, oh, man, all right, I'm going to watch it, but, I'm, you know, whatever. And? And, and they <laughs> go to Boston and they handle business. Damn. And then the Knicks game, I understand it's Knicks won nine in a row, and it's MSG, the greatest venue in the world, which I disagree with, but that's yeah. just me. And they take care of business against yeah. Jalen Brunson and by, by the way, the Knicks were 18 and five at home. Go ahead. And they're 18 yeah. and five at home, but they take care of business. So they have shown us in multiple cities they that have. they have been able to beat teams that were either favored or really having great seasons. They've been able to beat them. Yeah. And now when you look at it, you know, you say, well, Rich Paul came out a couple days ago and said the Lakers aren't trading him and LeBron is not asking for a trade. Then LeBron comes out after shoot-around the day of the game against the Knicks, and he says, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do in terms of opting in or opting out nope. on this 50-plus $1 million that's due to me. And he is. So now it, it's a head-scratcher as to what's really going on in the Laker organization and Rob Palenka. I, don't, I personally don't think they should trade LeBron, nor do I want to see LeBron on another team. I want to see him in the Laker, but I'm not the boss. Okay. I'm not the decision Do they maker. need any right. more help? Right. Is there, there another you, piece you to this? You always I mean, need help, Skip, yeah, if you, you can get help. the right help. Yeah. You always need help in professional mm. sports yeah. if it's the but, right help. Mm. Okay. I don't Over. think there's a, a easy you know, answer to that question, Skip. I don't think one person's coming in, two people coming in. I don't either. And turning this thing around and making them a, a, a two-seed or a one-seed. So yeah. I don't I don't see a big trade happening that that, you know, obviously I could have said the same thing last year and look what the trade did. You know, we ran off to the to the Western Conference finals uh, with the trades and the acquisitions that we had. But, yeah, I just it's hard to, to, to believe in this team. And I know, Key, you're saying, man, the Knicks aren't anything, but I would take a nine game win streak right now for the L.A. Lakers. Uh, if we had a nine game win streak, I'd be feeling pretty good about our team. We can't go on a three-game win streak uh, right now. You know, Maybe we'll tonight you will. Boston. But, yeah. <coughs> right. You, right. You we'll, beat, we'll beat Boston you, you in the Knicks. three in a row. And then yeah. lose to Charlotte. Yeah. We'll lose to I Charlotte. Know. Or it's we'll beat potential. Boston in the Knicks and lose to the Spurs. You know, yeah. that's the kind of 
t- season we're having. Yep. And that's what I don't understand. And so I can't sit here and say, man, these two games really give me confidence and make me believe we turned it around. I yeah. like the defensive effort in both of these games. I like oh, Anthony Davis's effort against the Knicks. I, I thought he was really fantastic on the defensive end of the floor. He was really tenacious. He showed a tremendous amount of effort, and I respect that. But they got to show consistency. And so if they go off and win five, six in a row, then I'll start to say, oh, okay, we're, we're starting to turn this thing around because they already yeah. proven they've had the talent. They have the talent. They just don't always have the want to. Yeah. So I'm going to say this again. Rob Polinka did an extraordinary job at last year's trade deadline, completely revamping this team. And to Richard's point, it made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals and had chances to win all four games entering and going halfway through the fourth quarter. This year, over the offseason, I thought Rob did another very good job of adding a piece here or there because they lost Schroeder, but then they had to add this piece and that piece. And the truth is, now coming up to this trade deadline, you need to quote-unquote trade for Jared Vanderbilt because he's hurt again. You, you need him back in the lineup. He's your best defender. You need to quote-unquote trade for Cam Reddish. He's out still. You need him in the lineup. You need to trade for Gabe Vincent. I'm tell, I've said it a hundred times on this show, he's a very valuable piece to another potential Western Conference Finals puzzle, and he's played next to nothing this year. He's a big-time shot maker, shot taker, and those three players, if you could add them healthy to what you have right now, you'd be pretty good. You might be very good. I like this team. I liked what I saw at Boston. I loved what I saw at, at New York in the fourth quarter because – I keep telling you, Austin Reeves is a closer for this team. And you uh, you saw it, didn't you, Keyshawn? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. he makes four out of five shots. He makes both his threes in the fourth quarter. He makes all four <laughs> of his free throws. He scores 14 in the fourth quarter. And LeBron sucked it up and played some real tough defense, like some serious defense on Jalen Brunson. I think he got switched on him a couple times. But I think once he just took him. And down uh, Jalen scored 11 in the fourth quarter, but the last five minutes, they just took Jalen out. He's six feet, two inches tall. They, they can do this when they want to. We saw them do it in the, the whatever it was called, the in-season tournament. tournament, you know? We saw what they did. Richard keeps bringing it up. In the championship game against Indiana, they just suffocated Indiana with their defense because they're capable. But for the year, I look at where they're ranked. And they're 15th in defense. Well, they're way better than that. They're 20th in offense. They're better than that. So, as LeBron said the other night, we can beat any team in the league on any given night, and we can lose to any team in this league on any given night. That's just wrong. The the problem with that, though, Skip, you mentioned all those names. Yeah. They've been with everybody except Gabe Vincent all year long. Cam Reddish just exited here recently. Yeah. I mean, so when you— Four games. Yeah, so when you when you look at it, they had everybody except yeah. Gabe Vincent all year yeah, long, right. and but they now, still are like. But now right. Jared Vanderbilt's hurt again. Well, it's, yeah, you, you that's can't now. Seem to get but everybody had, right. But they had him yeah. when they Stretches. were struggling anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. Um, but if they can find somebody that can help them, they sure, certainly need to add it, depending on the cost to go get that Well, individual. that's the cost. I mean, are you still good to give up Austin Reeves for Dejounte Murray or? But, and what else? That's what, the main. What do you mean and what else? Yeah, it ain't what? a straight up, straight up trade. They gotta get know. some. We gotta figure out what, what's what. Yeah. 
You mean you want right. more than DeJounte or they want more than Austin? I, they're they're gonna gonna want more than I think Austin they probably Reeves want more than Austin Reeves. Have to match. Yeah, they need they need right. some and salaries and all salaries. that sort of stuff. So who you who you giving up? I'm not giving up Austin Reeves. I, I'm just not going to do it. He's just too good. He he knows how to play basketball. He's he closes for you. Well, he yeah, has so, done a good job here yeah. recently. Skip. No, he has. Let's not yeah. go too far here. Well, I I just think he's a player. I don't know. You're you're down on. It. I mean, you're not I'm sold not, on. I'm it. not. If I can get something better, then yeah, I want something better. Yeah. Okay. I, I think as is, if they could just get healthy, I think they got a shot. Mm. Yeah. That you, other team you, in yeah, the you, building. You become a Clipper fan. No, I one you completely no, over. No, no, they, I just, don't do that, I'm not a Clipper fan, and I will never be a Clipper fan. So don't get uh, Clipper Daryl hopes up high. The only thing <laughs> I can Darryl. say is I enjoy the guys that I know personally, which is Kawhi, which is PG, which is Brooke yeah. and Harden. Yeah. All them I know mm. personally. So I enjoy watching them play, yeah. and I know Ty Lue. I don't think they're going to win the NBA final, but yeah. I, I like them personally. You, you just call Westbrook Brook? Okay, Westbrook. Okay. Brooke. Whatever. I, I, did, I never Brody, heard him call what that. You want, yeah, call I, him Brody. I didn't know. I thought you had a I new mean, nickname for no, him. No, I just said Brook. Yeah. I can call him Brody. Yeah. We certainly yeah. ain't talking about Brook from Houston. <laughs> no, no, we're not. <laughs> okay, in a moment, this will be Richard's favorite topic of the day. Will Brock Purdy forever be called a game manager? Richard was a game manager, a fifth round pick. In an interview with ESPN's Michelle Peisner Buck, Brock Purdy again was asked about the perception that he's a quote unquote game manager. Brock Purdy responded, I think it's kind of funny because we're winning. I think over time, I might get some respect. So, Richard, fair or unfair, this narrative persists that Brock Purdy is a quote-unquote game manager. I just don't remember any other quarterback in the Super Bowl being asked this kind of question. And, Skip, you could correct me if I'm wrong because I just don't remember it, especially in your second year. This is his first year. How are we creating a full career's worth of narrative? You know, this isn't five years of work. But, you know, if you look at Tom Brady in his second year, he was 11-3 and three as a starter. He, he, he threw the ball well, but it wasn't – his numbers weren't crazy, Skip. His numbers mm-hmm. were he, – he was 64% completion percentage, 2,800 yards, 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. The New England Patriots won the Super Bowl. I didn't hear him talking about a game manager. He, he played well, though. And if you look at Peyton's year, Peyton's second year in the league, he was a second-team All-Pro. He threw for some good yards. I mean, he was 62 completion percentage, 4,100 yards, 26 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. I never heard game manager. They lost in the second round to the Tennessee Titans as the one seed. They are the two seed. They might have been the yeah. two seed. I think they were yeah. the one seed. But he had a good back in Edron James, who won rookie of the year, who had 2,000 all-purpose yards, who was a first-team all-pro. He had a first-team all-pro receiver. But I didn't hear game manager out of that situation. <laughs> But I just keep hearing it from Brock Purdy like he's not a second-year quarterback. Uh, that's the part that I don't get, Skip. It, it's like you're, this is his first-year start. Just appreciate a second-year guy having this much success and efficiency and doing well. I mean, why do you got to call him anything? It's his second year. We don't know what he's going to be. He may <laughs> fall off the cliff next year and not be nothing. He may play even better next year, and we may be talking about a guy who's one of the best in this league. I don't know, but it's his second year. Stop trying to label him. 
Well, uh, Tom Brady was labeled early, right? I mean, he just was. He, he was. It, it, it's, it's a fact. But, it, but you got to remember, he won multiple Super Bowls fast. So that went away quick. If Brock Purdy was to win the Super Bowl, probably start to slowly go away. That's, that's just that's what people – it's an easy way out to be able to say he's a game manager. Because if they lose the Super Bowl and he throws three interceptions, guess what people will say? See, I told you. Even if he did throw three interceptions and they lost, he's by far not a game manager. That, that label should be completely removed of him. You don't take a team to an NFC Championship game twice, let alone to a Super Bowl in your second year. But again, much like you say, Richard, it's about the feelings, right? He was the last pick of the draft. He was the last pick of the draft. He didn't have Dan Marino praise when Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl his second year. But Dan Marino had a cannon, just so we did. And, and he was a first-round pick, right? So it was a little bit different coming in than Brock Purdy. It's just, and, and so if Brock Purdy was the, a second-round pick, he wouldn't be called a game manager. He would be called, you know what they would say? They would say, a we, we would say. We would say, wow, this is exactly what they wanted in this quarterback. They took him in the second round. They saw him. They went up to get him or they were waiting for him to fall in their lap. Those are the type of conversations that take place. I would say that there's a small amount of people that's still holding on to that label of game manager. For the most part, people, a lot of people have gotten off of that. There's a small few. When you have Cam Newton saying things like that, he, he that, that adds fire. It that does. It makes people, it, it's True. an attention grabber. Yeah. It's an attention grabber. But those of us that's smart enough to say, like I told you at the beginning of the year, Skip, just show me 16 games, man. Over the course of the season, two seasons, give me 17 straight games. I'm good. He gave them to me. I'm good. I'm, he here to stay. Pay him $100 million next year or whatever it's going to be. I'm okay. good. So. Could you guys please help explain to me who initially labeled him a game manager? Do they watch? He's the flip side of game manager. He, 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 he tries to break out of the system. He tries to be Brock Purdy. That third and four play at the Detroit 35, they're still down 24 to seven early in the third quarter. Remember this one to Juwan Jennings, if we could see it? Yeah, this I saw it a minute ago. That, that's the bomb. Yeah. Well, okay, that's, that's not game managing. No, that's Here, not, here's that's his play. A prayer. <laughs> okay. Th th this is what you don't. This is the opposite of game managing. That, that's like, it's dangerous, and he pulled it off because he is a playmaker of the highest order. And those, <laughs> that's ridiculous. And, and the three scrambles in the fourth quarter, I, this is not game managing. If Patrick it's, Mahomes had hey, done this, hey, we would be oh, oh, saying oh something my God. Oh, well, my we would be saying yeah. something different. If Joe Burrow did it. But it's all about what, like Richard look, said, look at these it's scrambles. all about what you drafted at, Richard. Hey, it's ridiculous. Right. He's it, running it, 100%. crazy. It, 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 if we said Caleb Williams was doing this in his second year, if we just uh, said, hey, this isn't Brock Purdy, this is Caleb Williams, we'd be sitting there, this is what you thought they uh, were getting when they drafted him he's the next in the Mahomes. first round. This, yeah. no, he's the I, next guy. He's making incredible passes. I, I, I don't get it. And yet, to your point, I don't know what Cam was thinking when he said, well, Brock Purdy's a game. No, no, no he's not. He's, he, he's as far from it as you can get. Oh, well. Okay. During tonight's interview session, how many questions will Travis Kelsey be asked about Taylor Swift? We discuss next.
Tonight is Super Bowl opening night on NFL Network. No doubt Travis Kelsey will be the center of attention. Odds are he'll steal the show. Last night, his girlfriend Taylor Swift won two Grammys, including her fourth album of the year. So during this interview session tonight, Keyshawn, how many questions will Kelsey be asked about Taylor Swift? Just your best guess. Four? Four? Yeah, because right. they don't have a lot of time. It's not like they're going to be there for two, three hours. So. No, it's 30 minutes. Yeah, so four. Yeah. Four max. Well, okay. That when you get married, have you talked about kids? You know, what's it like to have her support you? Is she going to make yeah, it back to the Super Bowl? Oh, is she going to make it back yeah, to the Super Bowl? Concert in Japan. Yep. Yep. Those will be probably the four. Yep. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be around four. I mean, I, I'm sure there are some uh, journalists that, that are coming in that don't usually cover football that are coming in specifically to ask Agreed. these questions. So about four or five. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to go five low end because it could be more, but I don't know how long they make them sit tonight. It may be, it, sometimes they go for 45 minutes or so on opening how many different How many different ways are you going to be able to ask when y'all get married? Well, I don't know. They'll just repeat the question a couple times, but, the, but that's the same they, question. They are the show. I mean, they are it. And she did have a pretty big night at the Grammys. Some people might think she got robbed a couple times, but I don't know. I, hard, hard pass. Yeah. Don't even couldn't tell you one song. No. Okay. Right. Well, I'm uh, sorry, I, I, Swifties. I, I, you just I gotta don't. kill me on the social media or whatever. But I yeah. hard They're pass. They're gonna get you. Hard pass. They're gonna get you. Yeah, hard pass. I'm, they, they, what they can I say? All right, that's it for today's Undisputed. We are back tomorrow at 9.30 Eastern. And I can't wait.